Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about uh, whatever questions that you have, whatever things, whatever topics come up for you. This is our Pisces season Q&A session today. It's just a time for us to spend a few hours together talking astrology, talking gardening, talking sports, talking whatever we want to do. If you want to talk about your chart, you want to talk about charts in general, uh, technique questions, all of those things, this is your time today. So, I hope that you're doing well out there, having a lovely Friday afternoon. I'm going to welcome a few friends here in the chat. Let me know that you're here. If you're stopping in today, say hi. Tell me where you're stopping in from. If you have a question today, please put it in all caps uh, in the YouTube chat, and that will help me know that it's a question. Tracy Gorman is here. Says, hello, lovelies. Hello, Tracy. Nice to see you, friend. Uh, Hope that you're doing well out there. That's the Tracy's. Tracy Chaplin is here today. Says, hi, everyone. Hi, Tracy. Hope you and the hedgehogs are doing well over there across the pond. Fionn is here. What's up, Fionn? Fionn is uh, joining us from Ireland, I think. He's a a great astrologer and comedian. So check out Fionn uh, wherever his stuff is, online, Instagram, whatnot. Uh, Uranus Ascending is here. What's up, Uranus Ascending? Nice to see you from Chicago-ish, I believe. Uh, And I hope everyone is doing well today. Um, Again, if you have a question, it can be about astrological technique. It can be about the transits that are going on currently in the sky. Um, If we don't get enough questions, I'll just start launching into my thoughts about the upcoming transits. So don't be shy if you've got a question. I love being able to to answer any questions that come up. Uh, KP201231 is here. So what's up? Hi, everybody. Glad to finally catch you live. What's up? KP, nice to see you from Cleveland, if I'm remembering correctly. Tracy Gorman says, East Greenbush, New York here, California grown. Wow, so you took, took a journey, Tracy, uh, across country. That's, a, that's quite a shift. But sometimes that happens, you know. We, uh, we're always uh, <clears throat> trying to figure out where we, where we land and where we belong, I guess. And sometimes life just takes us to different locales for sure. Uranus Ascending says, from Aurora, but Battle, Battle Creek born and raised. Oh, that's cool. So you're from uh, you're from the stomping grounds of Wayne's World, right? From Wayne Campbell. Uh, back in the day, he was from Aurora, Illinois. Um, Battle Creek, pretty close to the place where I went to college in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So that's cool. Uh, home to the Kellogg Company, right? The Kellogg Factory over there. KP says, yes, Cleveland is correct. Yes, I'm trying to remember where everyone's from. That's why if you tell me each week, eventually I'll start remembering. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, Uranus Ascending says, Serial City. Exactly, yes. Uh, Tracy said, yes, last June with my 16-year-old daughter. Big move. Oh, that's that's fairly recent then, so you're still getting your footing over there. You'll have to let me know how that's going. Uh, Tracy says her father was from Battle Creek. Ooh, there's a, yeah, Battle Creek's nice. There's there's some cool stuff over there. I used to get my hair cut in Battle Creek with uh, this lovely hairdresser named Andy Rizdi, I believe her name was, and she had a salon over there. And so that's my that's my memory of Battle Creek. You're talking to a Leo Rising here. Of course, he's gonna remember his his stylist. You know, so uh, Uranus Ascending says Grandma worked at Kellogg's. All right. All right, so friends, load up those questions in the chat for me. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a few announcements before we dive into it. Uh, but if I have those questions, they'll be ready for me to just you know do some astrology today. So a couple things, 2024 offerings. Um, 
If you didn't know, uh, I am a professional astrologer. I have a special interest in the Deccans and tarot, fixed stars, mythological stories. Um, I try to present my astrological findings, whether it's in your personal chart readings or through this channel, in a kind and respectful way. So if you want, if you like that style, if you like kind of a friendly style, but also uh, very detailed, you can check out the things that I offer at my website, spencermichaud.com. So check out spencermichaud.com if you want to schedule a personal reading, if you want to schedule tutoring, if you want to schedule transit reading, if you have just one question that you want me to examine, I have an oracle reading there too. Check that out. Some new stuff for 2024, and that's the best way to, um, you know, go, go further into depth. We also have a Pisces season sale for you today. Uh, I do webinars. And I do webinars based on the Deccans. I have some things about the integration of tarot and astrology there as well. But the Pisces Deccan webinar is on sale right now. It's a two and a half to three hour webinar that where we go into depth with all of these different integrative divinatory techniques. We try to take a very holistic approach and we aren't fixated on one particular mode of finding truth within the universe. I think there's a lot of ways that those different forms of divination can communicate with one another. So this is a great way to engage further in the work that I do. I'll show you some of the slides from that potentially today. So stick around for that too. Also wanted to get you all hip to a sale that my partner is having from Third Coast Mojo. My lovely partner, Tanya Andrews, has a magical business where she elects um, materia and does ritualistic creation of these oils and soaps and materia. So if you're in need of astrological remediation, there's all sorts of stuff there. Remediation basically being if you have a difficult transit or a difficult planet in your chart and you want to try to maybe repair some of that through magical means, this is great stuff. So Venus and Pisces is, is on sale right now. It's awesome stuff. I'm wearing it today. I'm just slathered in it. So we'll see how that goes today. But check uh, Third Coast Mojo out on Etsy. And then finally, if you want to support the work that I'm doing here today, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com or you can do what is called a super chat in the comment section of YouTube. There's a little dollar sign. You click that. You can make a donation or a gift to the show. Uh, all of that is super appreciated. Uh, it really goes a long way to helping me do the work that I do. You're buying me the gift of time to do my research. Uh, you're helping me get new research materials so that I can read them and you know hopefully... Uh, share it with you and make difficult concepts simple and clear. Uh, so this is, that's a great way to support the channel. Really appreciate all of you who are able to, to help out. Um, if you're not able to buy a coffee or a super chat, just leave a comment and, and make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Those are easy things to do to help out the channel as well. So those are our announcements. Um, going back to the chart here. Yeah, we've got people commenting about the Kellogg's company. Right? That's our theme of the day. I saw something recently about serial companies, and this sort of is a commentary on late stage capitalism, I guess. But there was someone from who was like a CEO of a serial company who was like, yeah, you know, if you're falling on hard economic times, cereal for breakfast is, or cereal for dinner is back in vogue, you know, just have a bowl of cereal. And I thought that was sort of like a post-apocalyptic kind of statement, like, oh, you know, you can't afford any food, just have some cereal. <laughs> like. And I've got nothing against having a bowl of cereal every once in a while, uh, but the fact that they're like, you know, singing its praises when people can't afford actual 
um, healthy and nutritious food is something that is troublesome to me. So we'll see. You know, everybody's got their own ways of dealing with these challenges for sure. Yeah, Uranus Sending is laughing at me in my Leo Rising hair memories. You know, this is the thing. If you want to uh, endear yourself to uh, Leo Rising, compliment their hair. Uh, if you are a good stylist that uh, they trust with your hair, you, you are someone special because it's very important to many of them. I have a great stylist now that actually moved across country to Washington, and I miss her very much. Uh, she's a great astrologer and Reiki practitioner as well. Her name is Juliana Fox, so I hope that she's doing well out there. And check her out if you're on the, the West Coast. She does great work. Okay, friends, questions. Any questions you have? Uh, technique questions, personal chart questions. This is your time. This is the time to ask away. I'm here here for you and ready to to answer any astrological questions that you might have. Uh, we've got Mr. Hindsight is joining us. Namaste from wet San Francisco. Getting some rain over there, I'm sure, my friend. Uh, very cool. Okay. Yeah, you know, one of the things we're kind of dealing with right now, we are dealing with Venus about to square Uranus. So this is kind of a topic that's been kind of on my mind lately. Uh, let's see. Let me see if I can bring this up for you, just so you can kind of see what what we're dealing with here. Now I broke down a lot of these astrological significations in my astrology of March, um, but you can see here too that we are getting closer in the moment. I'll just bring the clock up here. Getting closer to this Venus at uh, 17 degrees of Uranus of Aquarius, excuse me, squaring Uranus at 19 degrees of Taurus. Uh, pretty interesting aspect that we're going to be experiencing over the weekend. Um, we are going to be dealing with Venus in a Deccan that is, you know, dealing with moving forward. Okay, this is the Six of Swords, where we see someone being ferried across from one shore to another, one destination to another. Uh, and it's going to be squaring the Six of Pentacles Deccan that, that Uranus is transiting through which a lot of those themes of the Six of Pentacles card relate to giving and receiving uh, benefits, uh, material security. Uh, there are themes of trying to create healthy, uh, consistent routines. So we may have our routines shaken up a little bit as we try to move forward from one shore to another. Uh, we are in the middle of Pisces season, and uh, Mr. Hindsight was asking about the triple Kazemi that we recently experienced, which is... A lot of cool stuff going on with that. A very interesting aspect. Uh, I'll go back in time here because we just are coming off of that. So you can see in my um, here in my chart on Wednesday, February 28th, we had Mercury, Saturn, and the Sun all coming together at nine degrees of Pisces. Uh, so this was the. I'll come off of this for a second. Um, we, this is the the kind of energy uh, related to the triple, let me just type this out. This is the triple Kazemi, just so everyone knows what we're talking about. Triple, I guess you could call it triple Kazemi. This is basically, let's call it Pisces Stellium slash Kazemi. Okay. We'll add that. Here we go. 
So we're talking a little bit about that Pisces stellium and Kazemi. Of course, Kazemi means being renewed in the heart of the sun. So we had a really kind of rare and quite interesting stack up where simultaneously Mercury and Saturn were renewing themselves in the heart of the sun on the same day. It doesn't happen very often. Um, it's a pretty powerful stack up. You know, we've got the Deccan of Pisces related to the Eight of Cups. So here in the Eight of Cups, you see a figure that's going off into the unknown, leaving behind eight stack cups, potentially of material success, in search of higher purpose, in search of meaning, in search of finding a why. So we may have a lot of thoughts, um, a lot of dreams, especially dreams. I think that's a good word, keyword for this stack up. Uh, where we are trying to understand what our motivations are. Uh, I've been consoling both friends, family, and clients, and our audience here today to not get fixated on how. Now, don't get fixated on the details of your plan. In my, in my estimation, in my opinion, in my studies, Pisces represents a, uh, an initiatory phase before a much bigger start. So it is kind of the calm before the growth, not the storm, I guess. Sometimes you could call it a storm, but I, I, I like the calm before the, the spring equinox, the calm before the growth. And sometimes what we have to do is dissolve our boundaries, okay, between one another, between what we believe is possible and what we believe is our limitations. And Pisces tends to dissolve those barriers, potentially, and says, okay, we're going to, to melt all the frozen ice and the frozen ideas so that we have a primordial soup to be able to bring fertility to the next cycle. One mistake I think we make during Pisces season is the, the mistake of being too impatient. And this is coming from a gardener who gets really excited about spring after a long winter. And I've made a lot of mistakes in the past where I planted things too early, especially in the Midwest, where we have kind of seasons that aren't necessarily super predictable. They're predictable on their unpredictability. Like, like last week, it was 70 degrees one day. And then two days later, it was back down to 20 degrees. So there are wide, wide swings of temperature, there's freezes, there's like early springs. And what you have to understand when you're a gardener in an environment like that, and if we extend that to the metaphor of our lives and look at projects like we look at seasons, if we try to plant our seeds too early when the conditions aren't necessarily ripe for it, we risk that plant, uh, that seed, not uh, coming to fruition and not having the right conditions for success. So one of the things that we get frustrated with, I think, with Pisces season is a lot of the times we'll get some great ideas and we'll want to just start on it and dive in right away. I don't think that that is what the Kazemi was for. I think the Kazemi says, how can you get some clarity about why you are doing what you're doing or what your values are? So to me, it's not even about what you are going to do. It's about who you want to be, who, what, your, what your higher um, overarching 
or even if you want to look at underground mycelial values that connect everything, that inspire the action that will come in something like Aries season. Now, this Aries season is pretty powerful because we have a, a, a new moon eclipse. We have a full moon lunar eclipse opposite, and we have a, a new moon solar eclipse um, in the second decan of Aries coming up in April. So before that very potent time of action, we have this almost resting, dreaming phase. And I, I think that, to me, that is what the Mercury-Saturn-Sun conjunction is all about. Allowing ourselves, it's, a lot of it's about self-acceptance. A lot of it's about getting clear about what we want, sometimes through seeing uh, a gap between what we want and what our lives actually look like. I think that as we are moving through the second decan of Pisces right now, I'll bring this to the stage. So this is Pisces 2. You can see nine, nine of cups. Someone who's looking satisfied. You know, this is the, the, the trying to connect the, the vision with our lived reality. When we are, if we go back and look at the first decan of Pisces, though, we have a sense of dissatisfaction. It's, it's the Saturn decan where we're saying, eh, this reality isn't matching up with my dream. I need to go off and into my mind, into my imagination, to see how I can start bringing those threads together uh, for when the time is ripe to make a new start. So, in, in short, I feel like that Kazemi is bringing together many different parts of our life, the parts ruled by Mercury, okay, Gemini and, and Virgo, the parts ruled by Saturn, Aquarius and Capricorn, and then the parts ruled by the Sun, Leo. All of those topics are kind of fusing into one primordial soup that hopefully will help birth something new when we get into eclipse season in Aries. And I think that the, the challenge is patience. The challenge is saying, okay, how can I just sit with this and really listen to my heart? Not my mind, not my anxiety that wants me to get started right away or that, feel, that, that says, oh, you're not doing something right now, you must be failing. I think that's, that's a mistake that we make a lot is we are conditioned through some of the challenges of Western civilization to feel like we have to be growing at every moment. We have to be working at every moment. We have this Protestant work ethic that is, was infused into society that says if you're not working, you are the devil, basically, idle hands of the devil, right? And to me, that's a, a disservice to the times when we need to uh, rest, the times when we need to listen to our dreams, to our creativity, to accept ourselves as is when we don't necessarily need to push any harder on that particular day. Um, and that's hard to do. Like, it, it, it takes maturity, it takes discipline to be able to be still. And I think that this is a, another lesson of this stack up, is stillness. So I'm curious what has been coming up for all of you this week as far as two questions you could, you could ask yourself. What, where am I just over it, right? Where am I over... Uh, a material process in my life, it just isn't bringing you any joy or satisfaction. And then once you identify where you might be unhappy, what are you grateful for? What are, what are the values that, that 
are infused into what you do in your day-to-day -day life and your day-to-day, -day, you know, existence. Um, without getting fixated on saying, oh, I need to do this, 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 and this, like in a, in a Virgo-like list, right? Say, I'm committed to uh, kindness, communication, and helping people see that we are all related in interconnected systems. Like, so this, this could be a mission statement. This is, I'm thinking of like what my mission statement would be. It's like, I want to model, hopefully being a kind, gentle person. I want to model and teach people and help them reflect back to them that, that they are not alone and that they are interconnected in different uh, um, complementary systems. I believe in the cycles of nature and, the, and being able to surrender to those seasonal times and to be able to work with the natural world rather than try to dominate it or against it. Um, I, I don't believe in exploiting those resources. Uh, I believe in trying to, to create sustainability. So those are the things that are floating around in my brain that say those are the things that motivate me. Now, once you get clear on that, the form that it will take in your life is flexible because form is always flexible. Fleck, form arises and passes away all the time. Um, but those values are the things that endure. Even values change, and I think that's okay too. Sometimes your values can change. We should acknowledge that as well. But sometimes a dream can be a little bit more endure, enduring. Uh, uh, an ideal can be more enduring than a physical form. So that that is my my reflection on the Pisces stellium, and it's going to be slightly different for everyone. It's the topics that are going to come together for you are going to be different than they would be for another person based on your rising sign and based on the interactions with other planets in your chart. If you had that stack up on a natal planet, um, you might feel that sense of disconnect or discontent very acutely. And that might send you off on a journey to find your way home. Another thing that I think about with that Pisces stellium is the journey of Odysseus. This is uh, a myth that I believe uh, oh, geez, what's her name? Astrology of Fate. Liz Green talks about in the, a really great book, Astrology of Fate, um, Odysseus trying to find his way back home, but he's, he's on a journey. He's on the ocean. He's on the Piscean Ocean, and he gets sidetracked a lot, a lot of different times, but he's still trying to hear that, that, that call back home. Um, and he, his, his crew gets distracted by sirens. He, he lands in a place that is nice, but it's not home. And I think it's a journey to find our, our lost self and recover our lost self. So again, just pay attention to what is bubbling up from, from the, the ether, from the depths. Uh, and you might not understand it completely. Pisces speaks in metaphor. It doesn't speak in absolutes and in literal linear terms. So there might be a story that comes up that you resonate with. There might be a, a movie that you're watching and then you have this light of recognition that says, whoa, that's speaking to me. You might see an animal that if you study more of its habits, it may give you some insight into um, what you should be doing with your life. Uh, I went on a nice walk at the Botanical Gardens at Mathai uh, here in Ann Arbor uh, over the last weekend. And uh, my partner and I saw two lovely uh, sandhill cranes. 
And that was sort of a message. Like we were feeling really, we were having a nice day. It was a really beautiful day. Um, we were just enjoying being out in nature and enjoying each other's company. And cranes, if you look at cranes, they, uh, in many civilizations, they symbolize peace and longevity and commitment. So, so that was sort of a message to, to us in that moment, reflective of the good feelings that we were having about our relationship. So th that language, that, that figurative, metaphorical language is very important to pay attention to. It's not easy to do when we have a very utilitarian society. Sometimes the dreamers, the myth makers, the storytellers get cast aside and get told that they're crazy and that what they're doing doesn't matter. But I think that that couldn't be further from the truth. We always need people to hold up a mirror to society and reflect back truth however we see it. And it doesn't mean that when we're an artist that we're going to have uh, unfettered access to capital T truth. Sometimes we're just f filtering it through our own consciousness, but that still has value. Okay, so hopefully that was helpful for you, Mr. Hindsight, and for everyone here. Um, let's go back to the screen here, and we'll go back. Let's take a look here. I'm going to go back to the chat and we'll check out what's going on over there. We've got Carol from Mass joining us. Nice to see you, Carol. Hope you're doing well this afternoon. Laura Elizabeth is stopping in. Says hello from Vancouver, Washington. The Kazemi brought revelations about two life-threatening diagnoses of friends and family. It was on my moon. I felt it helped to bring clarity to dangerous conditions. Ooh, that's interesting, Laura. I'm, I guess I'd be curious, Laura, what house that was in for you. Um, that would bring us even more insight and learning ability with, with your story. And I'm sorry to hear that with your friends. I know that that's um, another th theme that I think about with Pisces is sometimes we have to surrender to, f to forces that are greater than ourselves. And sometimes a health diagnosis like that, especially with people we care about, we want to rush in like a good uh, Virgo and fix it. And sometimes there will be situations that we just can't fix. I've had to learn this the hard way. Um, you know, Laura, if you've been following along with the channel, but my mom passed away about, uh, it'll be, be two years in, in April. I, that's gone by so quickly. Um, but she had a stroke and she um, was recovering from uh, breast cancer surgery at, when she had this stroke and it really messed her up. And she had a lot of health problems after that and eventually passed away from, from accumulation of that. And there was really nothing I could do about it. I had to kind of accept that that was how it's going to go and just enjoy the time I had with her and and try to just be present as much as I could emotionally or, or whatever for her. Um, and it was very difficult. As a Virgo stellium, myself, Laura, uh, I just, a lot of the conversations I had with her towards the end of her life that I didn't know was the end of her life. That's the, that's the problem that we have sometimes. So when we get these diagnoses, sometimes we we don't understand how much time someone does or does not have. But uh, that's my one regret, is that I, a lot of the times I was trying to fix something, and I was getting frustrated with the, the conditions that she was living in and being how she was being taken care of, and I wish at that point I'd just kind of enjoyed her company a little bit more. So if I had any advice for this, and I, I don't know, first of all, I don't have to give you advice. I'm just I can just witness your journey. That's part of the Piscean thing. But if I had to do that kind of thing over again, I would just try to be grateful for the time that I do have with those friends. 
I would appreciate them, uh, realize that some of these things are larger than you and that's not your fault, and and just try to, to, I don't know, maybe preserve as much of their legacy as you can through their memories. All right. So hang in there, Laura. I know that's tough. That is tough. Jennifer's here. Says, hey, y'all. Sending Pisces love. Nice to see you, Jennifer. Joining us from Michigan. Go check out the, the Botanical Gardens, Jennifer. It's looking looking pretty nice over there. Jennifer says, Gemini rising with Jupiter at 12 degrees Pisces. Uh, is at 12 degrees. Pisces moon at 20 degrees Pisces on the conjunction. Had a sign in my teacup that formed a yin-yang sign. Ooh, that's cool. So... Jennifer has a Gemini rising, so this is happening in her 10th house. So Jennifer, any insights with um, maybe career or with the, it doesn't even just have to be career. Yeah, Jennifer says Pisces in my 10th house. About how, what the actions that you take publicly, about the way that you show up in the world and the, the, the praxis that you bring to the world. Um, a lot of times, even if we're not utilizing the 10th house as a career-based thing. It can be just about what we're known for publicly or the actions that we're taking that are visible out in the world. And, you know, this is the other thing, uh, Jennifer, too. The, the Pisces moon in your chart, there's going to be a new moon at 20 degrees Pisces exactly on your natal moon. So that's going to be uh, probably pretty important. Jennifer says Odysseus was also the name of that lunar landing on the moon. Thought that was cool. Was that a recent thing? That's news that I'm not familiar with. But if that is the case, that would be perfect for Pisces season, right? Really just showing us that myth is woven through our culture. And even if we're not completely aware of it, it's going to bubble up from the collective unconscious. Jennifer says, saw two sandhill cranes in my backyard also. Oh, good, good. Yes, we're commenting that it was in your 10th house. Absolutely. Yeah, tell us what's going on with that, Jennifer. Uh, KP says, I feel like you're speaking right to me. I'm a Sag rising and this triple Kazemi was conjunct my Mars at 9 and North Node at 14. Okay, so that's Mars at 9 degrees of Pisces and North Node at 14 degrees of Pisces. This is about my relationship and its future in addition to my dad's health issue. So with Sagittarius rising, let me just flip my chart around here. I'll bring it up. Let's look at it again. Okay. So if you're Sag rising, we'll go back to the triple conjunction, I guess, here. Let's just move it around a couple hours so that Sagittarius is on the ascendant so that people can see generally where this is playing out. So you can see here, this is a Sag rising chart. So KP was talking about uh, relationship challenges, okay? And you can see that in her case, Mercury is the ruler of her seventh house of relationships. Also might bring in topics of public persona because Mercury rules the 10th house. So maybe if the relationship has some confusing elements to it with Mercury and it's fallen and it's exile, uh, that might also change the way that we show up publicly. Um, Saturn was in the mix here. And all of this is happening through her roots and foundation, fourth house here. So this isn't KP's uh, chart. This is just the, 
the transit chart and how it would be affecting her via her Sagittarius rising sign. So Saturn is the ruler of her third and her second house. So there also could be issues about how she supports herself and her immediate environment, maybe even related to siblings or something like that. And I'd have to look at your chart of, to see how the, the dad part comes in. But if we think about in traditional astrology, the father is often represented by the fourth house. So this is another tie-in with just being able to, if you just know someone's rising sign, seeing where those transits are moving through and how they might be activating uh, with different themes in, in our life can be very useful. So hang in there, KP. I hope that your dad is healing up or that whatever is going on is, is manageable. And again, my, I guess the best advice I can give to folks who are maybe a similar age to me or going through a similar issue you know, I'm I'm be 44 this year. Oh my goodness, I'll be 44 this year. Um, this middle age, this like early mid 40s age, a lot of times are either our kids are getting older or, or are out of the house, and then our parents are getting older. It's this weird transitionary time, and um, I think just enjoy the people that you have in your life without trying to worry too much about the future. I think we have to just. Uh, embrace the the time we do have with people. Um, in the astrology of March, I talked a lot about the energy of March, and I got the hexagram that talked a lot about being patient. And there were two changing lines. One was about waiting in the mud, waiting in fear, waiting in anxiety, and the other was about waiting in with food and drink and with abundance and with hopeful expectation. And I think that that's, that's important. Sometimes when, we're, when we know something is inevitable and we know something is challenging, oftentimes we wait in fear and in anxiety. And that can actually make us vulnerable to uh, predatory solutions, I guess is a way you could describe that. Uh, it makes us vulnerable to taking rash actions that may even uh, make the problem worse. So uh, patience and waiting isn't something that we're super good at in this country and this way of living, this economic system, but it's something that I hope we're able to cultivate moving forward. So hang in there, KP. I hope that that resolves itself peacefully and that you're just able to enjoy the time that you have with your dad while he's there with you in the planet, on this planet. You know, we're, we're never truly... Uh, we don't ever truly lose people, I think. I've, I, You know what was funny, KP? When I was sitting at the Botanical Gardens this past weekend, I was taking a break and looking out over the woods and the gardens and you know, my, thinking about my mom. And she was a, a, a gardener and someone who was really enthusiastic about creating beauty in her spaces. And a lot of times when I went to visit her in Chicago, we'd go to the the Morton Arboretum outside of Naperville, Illinois, if any of you are familiar with it. It's a beautiful place with trees and, and flowers. And I was just sitting there reflecting and kind of missing her at that moment. And um, my partner, my beautiful partner, Tanya, was just walking around the, the patio there. We were sitting and found a little sticker. And the sticker was a butterfly. And uh, one of my, the symbols that I associate with my mom is the butterfly. When she, when she passed away, um, I was visited by many butterflies over the next week or so, and it was 
it was early April, so there wasn't a lot of butterflies around. And there was a number of butterflies that just wouldn't leave me alone. They would just kept, they kept landing on me over and over and over again. And um, so a lot of times now when I'm feeling, you know, missing my mom, like I see some kind of symbol arise, like a butterfly symbol. And that, at that moment, that was, I think, a little wink, a little spirit wink from, from my mom, from wherever she's at or from the universe. Um, and those synchronicities, it's easy to dismiss them, but I think it's a mistake to do so. I think that there is magic in the world. I think there is connection, and I think there is things that we don't quite understand that are at work, and um, we should just embrace them. So hang in there, friend, and uh, hopefully the situation will, will work out for you. Okay, let's see. Mr. Hindsight says, yes, thank you. Talking about the Kazemi, absolutely. Um, Laura Elizabeth says, third and fourth houses. I'm trying to... So the, let me... I'm. This was back about... I'm going back seeing uh, about the diagnoses. Well, uh, I forgot the context of that, Laura. I, I apologize, but... Let me know the, the rising sign. Maybe we can revisit it once again. Steven's here. What's up, Steven the Jupiterian? Steven's also a Sag rising. So maybe there's been some revelations in your um, family or with your home or domestic situation, Steven. Be curious to what's going on there. Steven has the sun at 11 degrees of Pisces. We'll be 54 tomorrow. Happy birthday, Steven. Um, hope that you're doing well over there in the West Coast. Laura says, both people will be okay, but without the situations coming to light, they might not have made it. Sad rising for me too. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I'm glad to hear that. And, um, you know, getting some revelations about something going on with your roots, right? This has been a time for Sagittarius risings. Uh, I've had some interactions with some Sag rising folks uh, this week. And I think that when we have the stack up in an angular house, like one, four, seven, or 10. So this would affect our Jupiterian friends, Sag risings, Pisces risings, Gemini risings, uh, Virgo risings. We're gonna feel this conjunction much more significantly potentially than someone who might not have uh, one of those angles. Now, of course, there's gonna be people that are feel feeling it with like, you know, stuff on their natal moons and stuff on their natal planets, etc. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's intense. Okay. Dawn is here. says, hi everybody. I just showed up in time for my rising. Hey, how fortuitous. Well, I'm glad that you see you're, you're in alignment with the divine timing, Dawn. Nice to see you here today, friend. Uh, Tracy says, hi, Stephen. Happy birthday weekend. Yes. We're celebrate you, Stephen today. Uh, Robin is here. says, hi, Spencer. Robin from soggy Northern California. I'm not having the best of days. Oh, I'm sorry, Robin. I just got a bad diagnosis for one of my cats. Oh no. Um, I guess that the Kazemi, that's the Kazemi opposite my moon and Venus and Virgo. Ooh, yeah, man. I'm sorry about that, Robin. Um, yeah, I just have, I'll take a moment to compose myself about that and to have a moment of silence for your little furry baby. Uh, that's something that hits me right in the in the fields, you know, I, I have two lovely fur fur children of my own, and um, I love them more than anything in the world. Maybe besides my partner and my daughter, and uh, that's tough. I'm really sorry about that. And again, it's another situation where we have this time with these 
beautiful, pure creatures. And it's not guaranteed to be forever. Like oftentimes we're like, oh, we're going to have this cat in our life for 15, 20 years. And sometimes that's not the case. I, I had a cat that was about 11 or 12 years old that had kidney disease and she went downhill pretty quickly. And I spent an entire year giving her intravenous fluids so that she would stay, you know, hydrated and things of that nature. It was, it was just heartbreaking. And, um, so I, my, my thoughts and feelings and love go out to you, Robin, um, hang in there. Uh, just give your kitty some extra scritches and enjoy the time that you have with them. And, um, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, let's see. So uh, let me, Robin, are you, I know your rising sign. So are you, are you okay with me sharing your rising sign, Robin? You have to let me know in the chat because it's, it's actually an interesting teaching, um, opportunity, I think, um, as far as where that conjunction is and the story that you're telling. You have to let me know. I don't want to share it without your permission, though. Always want to ask permission when you have people that you know their charts, and some people want to keep that anonymity. Other people don't care. Uh, so I'll wait for Robin to, to confirm that or not. Let's see here. I'm looking through the chat. Um, let's see. Dawn. Happy birthday, Stephen. Hope this year brings you many blessings. Yes, happy birthday, Stephen. We'll just have an early birthday party for Stephen. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Prudence is here. Prudence, my dear Prudence. How you doing, Prudence? Prudence says, Gemini rising, and it's been about facing and accepting an autism diagnosis and what it means for existing in the world and society here as an example for non-work 10th house. Oh, interesting. Yes, so... So let's bring that chart back up again, and let's take a look, and we'll look at it in the context of a Gemini rising. Let's see, hopefully they will allow me to, to yeah, sometimes my program freezes up a little bit. So let's go over to Gemini rising, and you can see that Prudence is dealing with that stack up in the 10th house. So it's not necessarily about career. It's about maybe how they show up publicly and what their role might be moving forward in society and how they present to society. And you can see that the, the Mercury-Sun-Saturn conjunction is in that 10th house of, of relationship to the public, of maybe a, a public identity, things of that nature. I hope you're doing okay, Prudence. I know sometimes getting... A diagnosis like that can be can be challenging. It, it challenges our sense of self and who we are and our role out in the world, and uh, it can it can lead to a lot of questions about what we're doing here on the planet and all of those things. Uh, I just really appreciate you coming to the our our chats here, Prudence, and and being a part of our community. And I think that one of the things to remember is that even if we aren't able to provide what traditional society deems as utilitarian value <laughs> it doesn't mean that we don't have value uh, in the world and that we don't have value to the people that care about us in, the, in in this world and in this planet it's okay to just be you don't necessarily have to do anything special to deserve love and to deserve life so i think that on on that level um just being able to accept ourselves and accept that 
we affect people in a myriad of ways that sometimes we don't understand and that people value our contributions, even if it's just through providing humor, even if it's just through providing a shoulder to, to cry on or to someone to listen to them. All of those things can be valuable, even if it's through our creative work, right? Sometimes through the, the creativity that we have, we're, we're having an effect that we can't possibly understand in that moment. Um, so what I would say, Prudence, is uh, good luck with that. Uh, it's, it's okay to just be, you know, there's, there's nothing that you have to do to deserve love, even if society is kind of making that hard. Uh, this is something I really struggle with as an artist and an artistic type person sometimes is sometimes I feel disconnected with the the rat race, I guess you could call it, the trying to just make a buck and and survive uh, in a society that doesn't always value our contributions. But that's one of the reasons why I like to show up and do these types of uh, Q&A sessions, just to kind of, you know, have a space for for the folks like us that where we might not fit somewhere else. We might not have a space where we can talk about astrology, mythology, symbols, and feel like we're accepted. But I, that's why I try to make this such a welcoming space for everyone. And because I think that we need those spaces. We need the sense of belonging. We need a sense of community, even if we're different, especially if we're different. I guess that's how I will say it. So. So good luck with that, Prudence. And again, um, you are such a valuable member of our community here. Whether you have some utilitarian value in society or not, you have you have value to us, Fred. So um, just glad that you're here and, and hang in there with all of that. I know it can be a confusing time, especially for Gemini Risings right now with, with Mercury in its exile and fall. Just the other thing I'll say, Prudence, and, and to those of you Gemini and Virgo Risings, even if you're feeling super confused, um, it's going to get better. You know, this too shall pass. This is a temporary uh, condition. Mercury is going to move into Aries in a few weeks, and then we're going to start to get a lot more clarity, maybe about how to communicate, what maybe what are the ways that we find purpose and meaning out in the world. Um, and, you know, I've been watching this. There's this beautiful show on Netflix called Love on the Spectrum, which is shows some sort of insight into some of the lives of people that are uh, on the autism spectrum. And there's just some beautiful, beautiful souls uh, that are finding love with one another and, and, and being able to move through the world and make meaningful contributions in their own way. And I, I'm just really inspired by it and by the, the beautiful people that I see on there. So hang in there, Prudence. And um, yeah. Okay, let's keep going. Let's take a look. What else we got going on here, friends? Who else is here? Steven says, thank you, Tracy. These people have a quiet weekend. Yeah, you don't always have to have a bombastic birthday. <laughs> Tracy says, as long as you're happy, Steven. Birthday is going to be rainy. Uh, Big Steph is here. It says, butterflies from my mom, too. Yes. I think many of us have... Uh, or, you know, a few of us have some mothers that have passed on, and butterflies are a great, great way to connect with that energy if that's something that, that resonates with you. And someone, there might be other symbols that you get as far as communications from people. There might even just be a smell that you, that you experience sometimes or something of that nature. 
Ah, uh, Don says, I love that visitation for you, Spencer. I had one at Disney when I was talking to another mom about my mom's passing. A cardinal flew right b between us, and my mom loved, loved, loved cardinals. Ooh, cool. Yeah, spirit doesn't necessarily care too much about what form the communication comes in. If someone had uh, the imprint of love on a specific animal, like a butterfly, like a cardinal, they're going to use that vehicle to speak to you because they know that, that you know that that meant something to them, right? And cardinals traditionally have been thought of as messengers for people who have passed on to the other side. So that's really cool, Don, and I'm, I'm happy that you're still able to feel that connection as well. Stephen got a musical candle from his mom in the mail. That's cool. What, what song was it, Stephen? It's <laughs> funny. What is a musical candle? How does that work? And how do you burn it without it destroying it? That's interesting. Seems like a fun gift. Jennifer says, my daughter, son, ex, and granddaughters are in Costa Rica today. As for work, next week we're learning a new computer system. Oh, that's cool. My daughter is on vacation too. She's traveling in Florida right now. Uh, so yes, it's uh, people are go going off to the warm places in the world. Candy Corn is here today. Hello, Candy Corn. So, so my dad died last year after the lunar eclipse in Scorpio. He was an avid gardener too. I love the beautiful connection to plants and the life cycle. Absolutely, Candy Corn. Um, and yeah, Candy Corn is a sad rising too. <laughs> we got all the sad risings here today. So yeah, and I, I'm sorry to hear that about your dad. I know that, um, again, you know, we don't have to be middle-aged to experience the, the, the loss of a parent, but for those of us who are going through this stage of life, it, it, sometimes it's good to like be able to share some of our, our grief and also share some of our stories of, of communications that we receive just so that we feel like we're not alone in some of these things. Um, it's, it's tough. It's, it's not all the same as having that person physically with us in our life. Um, but this is one of the, the, the challenging realities of being incarnated on this planet is that forms will come into being and then they will pass out of being and out of physical form. And I'd be lying to you if I knew exactly what was going on after this life. Uh, that is the great mystery. Uh, it would be arrogant for me to say, well, yeah, I know that there's this place that we go to and it's, you know, it looks like the Bahamas and whatnot. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, and your mileage for, may vary with that, depending on your religious perspective. But in, in my personal opinion, I believe that there's, there, there's, I hope that there's something. I hope that there, that consciousness continues on. Um, I think that the way that I've been talking about this with my partner is, and she, this is her thought on it too, is that I hope that consciousness goes on and that it's nice. And if it doesn't, well, we won't know the difference, right? You know, we'll just blink out and we won't know any better. So either way, it seems like a win. Okay. Oh, we've got a super sticker here. Thank you, Don, for the super sticker. Thank you so much, Don, for your contribution today. I really appreciate you and your your contribution today. Um, it really, really helps the show, and, and your support really means a lot to me. It helps us to to do research, to, to carve out this time in my schedule, and, and to hold space for all of you. I really appreciate that. So thank you so much, Don. Okay, okay, what else? We've got a lot of great comments coming in here. Uh, let's see. Steven's talking about my, my mom is fun. She's a Leo rising moon, Scorpio, sun and Taurus. Well, that's a nice combo. Um, 
Well, she seems like she's got a, a playful spirit sending you a, a singing candle. That's cool. Cookerzilla is here. Another Sad Rising. This is the Sad Rising party. We're just having a Sad Rising party here today. The spring cleaning has started now. Oh, good. Um, yes, I think that's another great way to use Pisces season is to just clear the decks so that when... Think about it like gardening. Let's stick with the gardening met metaphors today. Today I went out and checked on my, my garden. I'm super excited about my garden this year because I did a lot of hard work at the end of... Uh, at the end of the fall season last year to dig new beds and to plant some of my native pollinators that I've been waiting all summer to plant. And I did, we, we dug out a lot of turf, we planted the pollinators, we, we put mulch down and things of that nature. And I'm starting to see the little new plants that I planted last year returning. Uh, so it's very exciting. Um, and I'm thinking about like the Pisces season where sometimes we might you know, maybe we need to help clear out some of the, 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 the old um, form, the old, like, uh, some of the leaves potentially. Although, be careful about moving too many leaves from your garden. Leaves are important. Leaves are actually the way, the tree's way of, you know, recycling energy back into the, into the, into the earth. And there are lots of pollinator insects that live underneath those leaves that are, that need to have time to hatch and, and to, you know, continue their own life cycle. So spring cleaning is great for our houses. When we're doing spring cleaning outside, um, sometimes it's good just to let the natural processes happen, right? But yes, I'm a, I'm a big fan of cleaning out the clutter in our live spaces to reflect who we are now versus who we were in the past. I talk about that a lot on the channel, is, is accepting who we are now in this moment versus um, trying to live through old narratives. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a tough tough balance, right? Oh, Jennifer says my son, ex, and dad and brother are sad rising. Oh my goodness, we've got all these sad risings in our life here today. Steven says thank you for the birthday wishes. Yes, yes, be Earth Day wishes. I love it. I love it, Steven. Nice nice pun there. Uh, Tracy says prayers for your cat. I have four and a Shiba Inu dog, so like five. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of fur babies. Uh, my 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 flesh puppy, <laughs> my, my partner and I joke about this. What's the what's the opposite of fur baby? Flesh puppy, flesh kitty. <laughs> this is uh, my actual human daughter. <laughs> I know she probably would appreciate being called a flesh puppy. Um, but if you think about it, it's kind of funny, isn't it? The way we talk about that. Uh, you know, she's moved out of the house, so like now I have to shower my cancerian love and affection and nurturing on something in my environment so uh, I, I've always felt a deep connection to animals and their innocence and um, the, the animals are nice too because they can't really talk back to you in the same way a human being can I mean they have their personalities and they definitely can voice their displeasures but uh, you can imagine what they are what they are are not saying <laughs> so there's there's something nice about that too but I love my kitties they they have such interesting personalities. And I have two brothers from the same litter, Gandalf and Radagast, and their personalities couldn't be any more different. Like they, one of them is a wily gremlin who is very communicative and very watchful. The other is just a big tub of love who just is like, just pet me. He's just a soft boy who, who just is, they like to play differently. One of them just likes to cuddle. He's just, you got to be super gentle with them. The other one likes to roughhouse. And these are cats we're talking about, not just dogs. These are cats. So um, 
it's really fascinating to see how spirit works through these these um, these animals and these these animal guides. I would say there's something special about them. Okay, any more birthday wishes for Stephen? Planet Queen is here, says Sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars, and North Node in Sagittarius, and Libra rising here. The current theme for me is trying to find the right career. I'm so confused about it. Okay, so Planet Queen, that's a cool, um, that's a cool picture that you have there. So let's let's pull a chart up here, and we'll we'll just kind of walk you through it. I I'm, I can't see your natal chart without your information, but let's just look at it through the lens of Libra rising. What do you say? Just what, what some general themes could be to help out with Leo Risings today. Before we do that, Prudence says thank you very much. Nice. Thank you, Prudence. Again, just wishing wishing you well and um, just take your time with it. Again, we're just happy that you're here with us today. Okay, let's see. Planet Queen. Let's see. Planet Queen. So we're going to move your chart around for that stellium. We're going to move it back over to Libra. So here's Libra rising on the screen and uh, Planet Queen. It's, this is a five minutes might be the first time I've seen you in the chat. So just welcome. And uh, I don't know what else to call you besides Planet Queen. Uh, so Sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars and North Node in Sagittarius. So here is the stellium that planet queen is talking about okay in the third house and the north node and the current theme is trying to find the right career so confused about it now what's interesting for libra risings is that uh you have that st stellium stack up in the sixth house which is often associated with the work that we do yes we have our our public way that we find and provide meaning uh, with the 10th house, but oftentimes the 6th house can represent the the work, the day-to-day -day work that we have to do. Everything that we do that may not even be visible. So trying to find clarity around that could be part of the Libra rising journey. Um, and, you know, right now, if you're, if you're uh, a Libra rising with the midheaven in Cancer, there's probably going to be some clarity that comes to you around eclipse season. Okay, like maybe even sooner than that, because there's going to be a new moon in your sixth house of work. Mercury is going to move out of that confusing position in Pisces and move into your seventh house to bring you maybe some clarity around, uh, you know, how you bring partnership to the work environment or how you work with others. Um, but I would keep an eye on eclipse season. We have a new moon solar eclipse on April the 8th. And before that, let me just show you what we've got going on here. So here's the eclipses, just a preview. There's the new moon in Pisces that's going to be in your sixth house. And then we have on March 25th, a full moon over your first and 10th house axis. So if we look at that from the context of your rising sign. So there's just going to be this, this, uh, this ending potentially. Uh, around the 25th, maybe in a partnership, maybe releasing dependence on another person so that when this new moon solar eclipse happens right here, okay, you might be ready to take the leap in a more individual way, in a more self-supported way, okay? Because we have this uh, this 
eclipse let's where is it here there it is there it is sorry so see the the new moon solar eclipse at 19 degrees of aries on april the 8th and that's going to be if you're a libra rising in your in your seventh house of partnership but it's not just going to be about partnership because we have to think about these things holistically okay this is one thing I'm learning and trying to incorporate even more of through a book I'm reading that was suggested to me by a, a, a friend of the show, Devin, out in Portland, um, called Sand Talk by Tyson Yunkaporta. And it's it's an, an indigenous Aboriginal professor who is talking a lot about just indigenous ways of thinking and, and communal ways of thinking. So like Tyson says in his book, we can't separate things into uh, individualized compartments that are deracinated. That's a fancy word I learned from uh, Sophie Strand in The Flowering Wand. Basically means uprooted from the community of plants. And like, let's say you have a potted plant. It is deracinated from the ground. Well, if we have a deracinated um, view of astrology, I think that's a, a mistake that we often make. We say, what does this one planet mean in a house or in this? Well, it means a million different things depending on the other relationships that it has with other planets, other houses, etc. cetera. Uh, but we can start to break it down by saying, okay, if you're having challenges with your career, the career is ruled by the moon if you have a cancer midheaven. And you will get a, a infusion of solar energy into the moon at the new moon solar eclipse. So what I would suggest, Planet Queen, be patient. This is the, the Pisces time is frustrating because we want it, we wanted everything to be resolved, but there isn't uh, a ton of clarity in Pisces season about the how, but we can get in alignment with our values so that when the time comes to make a move or or when an opportunity is presented to us we will be able to say yes or no with the full force of our conviction because we know where our values lie. And don't be afraid to say no to something that's out of alignment with your value because when you say no to something, what you're doing is you're allowing yourself to say yes to something that is in alignment with who, who you are and what you believe in. So I hope that was helpful for you, Planet Queen. Okay, let's see. Prudence, yes, we've got prudence here, yes. Uh, we've got Stephen celebrating still. Um, Stephen says, we're all here for a purpose. You have value, yes. That's the thing. We're trying to find value with this, right? Uh, Stephen is cleaning house too. Let's, uh, let's go back to the chart here. Tracy says, yes, that's why I love this space. Well, we love having you here, Tracy. We're just holding space for each other, talking it out, figuring it out together. You know, this is what I why I like doing these live. I used to feel like I was talking into the void and just watching myself talk. And yes, I was interacting with people after the fact, but the the ability to communicate with people in real time and to to yarn like they uh, Tyson talks about the the, story, the collective storytelling in the Aboriginal culture is called yarning, spinning a yarn, right? And it is interactive. It, it, one 
part of a story may interact with someone else's knowledge base and they will reflect it back in a different way. And we're creating a shared story. That's what's so valuable about live streaming is that we are creating this shared experience. And it's, it's not just about Spencer, Michelle, the astrology. It's about all of us together and trying to share our experiences of these planetary movements and contextualize it within our, our lived lives and our shared experiences. So yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for this space. I, I feel like I get a lot out of it, uh, you know, as well as providing value. Tracy says, I appreciate you, Spencer. I appreciate you, Tracy. I appreciate you, you showing up every week. That tells me you know, a lot about, um, and it just makes me feel appreciated, right? Uh, this, people's presence and their commitment um, to, to coming every week. That's giving someone your attention in these modern times is, is that's super valuable. You know, it, it is something that is in short supply. And um, I'm just grateful you're here today as well, Tracy. Jennifer says, Prudence, Gemini rising here too, feeling the artistic coming through, setting up an art room in my upstairs for connections to myself and friends. Ooh, that's cool. So yeah, Gemini, you Gemini risings, like maybe this is a time to, to dive into your art and to, to search uh, for purpose through creativity. Again, I think that a lot of the disconnect many of us are feeling, especially those of us who are creative, is as we move further and further into things like inflation, as the income and wealth gap gets wider, as we become, as we have to do more and more galling things to, to just support ourselves in basic ways, uh, we can feel further disconnected. And in my opinion, we have to create meaning for ourselves within this and, and stay connected to the way that we create meaning while simultaneously working to change the system so that we do value each other. We do value art. We do value artists and just per people's personhood over what they can provide for a billionaire. <laughs> like, let's just be blunt about it, about what utilitarian... Uh, labor value they can provide for the whatever oligarch is in charge at the moment. Um, so, you know, w we artists have to stay true to our visions because the world needs us right now and we need each other and we need to support each other in the spaces where we can feel seen and can feel supported. Steven says, spring seems to have come early. Well, welcome to climate change, Steven. Um, this is another thing that we're facing that's a problem right now is that the, the earth is changing due to uh, human activity over many years and it is changing the weather patterns that we're experiencing uh, and hopefully we will be able to mitigate some of the worst effects of that. We, we will not be able to change all of the things that are going to happen due to climate change, but the choices that we make now can make uh, some of the absolute worst case scenarios maybe hold those things at bay and start to repair the organism that is the earth that we are uh, hopefully can be stewards of, that we can be conscious stewards of rather than try to dominate and exploit. All right, Tracy says, I have a very, very late neurodivergent diagnosis. Pisces in the sixth, one for three interviews last week and no luck on any. Wednesday felt so wiped out with a bug. Oh no, Tracy. Well, uh, I hope... I wish you luck with the interviews. Um, I know that there's many of us out here that, that 
have felt different and that eventually will get a medical label, diagnosis, etc. For some of us, that feels liberating. For others, it feels confining. Um, I would say uh, if the diagnosis is helping you to get the support that you need and to get the like resources that you need to su- to have the support you need, then then that's great. At the same time, if it's if it's making you feel like less than, cast that aside because there's all sorts of different ways to be. And um, I know that going for job interviews can feel really intimidating sometimes. And you just got to stick with it. You know, the more the more applications you put in, the hopefully the one of them will will start to work out. But but again. Uh, as as someone who's been witnessing a lot of people in my life waiting for the next change, Pisces season is, is a time to relax into that change. Yes, do the things necessary to create a fertile beginning when Aries season comes along, but don't force the issue. If you, if you force the issue and get too impatient, you might find yourself in a situation that is out of alignment with your integrity and is maybe not the, the right supportive environment for you. Laura Elizabeth says, dragonflies, hummingbirds, and dimes come in from my mom. Ooh, that's cool. I wonder if your mom was a had a mercurial influence. The, sometimes we have the mercury dimes, right? That'd be that'd be interesting to find that. That sounds those sound like mercurial animals to me. So I wonder if she was a Virgo or Gemini type person. My mom was a Gemini sun, uh, Pisces moon, Libra rising, and uh, butterflies seem to exemplify the. The, the Gemini-Pisces combination to me on some level. Okay. Robin says, I could share the rising and chart if you want to. Um, yeah, so Robin is a Libra rising. So Robin was talking about having some challenges with her uh, a diagnosis of a pet earlier in the broadcast. And if we, let's say we look at this here if we just kind of take a look at where that Pisces stellium was stacked up okay Robin has Venus and Virgo in the 12th house and that Pisces stellium was stacking up in her sixth house oftentimes the sixth house is related to small animals or pets uh, it can I I look at the sixth house and sometimes the fifth house for pets because sometimes we treat our, our little pets as children and children is represented by the fifth. So, but uh, getting a, a difficult diagnosis is activating maybe some of the the challenging uh, aspects of a of a exiled and fallen Venus, right? Or fallen Venus, I should say, uh, in the twelfth house. So, I, again, just just sending you some love, Robin. I know how difficult that can be. One one advice I will give you, Robin, and I think this is true for Virgo Venuses quite a bit, especially if it's the third decan. Um, I'm not sure, I don't have your chart pulled up here, but one of the lessons that I had to learn with with uh, a Virgo stellium, especially in the third decan, I have Mars and Saturn in the third decan of Virgo. Um, that decan is all about learning to accept the, the corruptibility of matter and the, the impermanence of form. And there is a, 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 a need to balance preservation against the ravages of time versus accepting that things are going to pass back into the earth, that, that it is a cycle. That energy is never really created and destroyed. It, it is just changing. 
And I, I had to learn that through the lesson of my mom. Um, and especially when we have Venus in Virgo, though, I, I don't have Venus in Virgo, but I've seen Venus in Virgo actions come up through clients and through my own experience of the transit. Oftentimes, Venus wants to hold things together, wants to harmonize things. And that it's in a sign that is trying to separate through entropy, right? So there is some painful lessons of trying to keep something together that, that can't be kept together. Uh, I spent a lot of time, energy, and money trying to keep a very, very sick cat um, alive for about a year longer than I probably should have. And in hindsight, it might have been the more humane thing to let her go. And sometimes that might be the best thing to do in certain situations. If you, We always want to heal our cats and our dogs and our, our family members as much as we can. Sometimes there's just situations where we, we're, we're prolonging the inevitable and, and causing that animal to suffer. So uh, I don't know. That, that's a tough thing. And I, again, you may, I don't know if you have a terminal uh, diagnosis for your pet or not. Um, and if you have a tough decision coming up with that, but just hang in there and enjoy that whatever time that you do have for them. And at the end of the day, just try to make the decision that is best for them and their peace. Um, because we are custodians and serve, we are in service of them. Uh, they're not possessions. We are just uh, trying to facilitate their lives and, and in return, they give us love, affection, and, and hopefully joy. But again, that's the, the cruelty of having a, a pet like a cat or a dog is that we live a lot longer than they do. And eventually we will have to say goodbye to them. Um, it's tough. It's, it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through losing an animal companion because I spend a lot of time in my house and I spend a lot of time alone. And uh, my cats are two of my best friends. Like, and I say that without any reservation. Like I spend more time with them than I do with a lot of my human human friends. So it can be extra tough when that's our situation. So hang in there, Robin. And um, th this too shall pass. And the other thing, and, and I know that this isn't a super consolation, but when I lost, uh, I, have, I had a cat named Kitty Bear. And Kitty Bear was uh, kind of a surrogate child for me during a really rough time where I was having uh, I was missing my own child when I was dealing with a very difficult co-parenting situation and had some times where I wasn't being able to be with my daughter as much as I had desired, you know, different visitation, thing like, things like that. Um, and that, that cat became like a surrogate child. And losing Kitty Bear was really, really tough, you know. Um, but... And, and I'm not saying that, that this is, we're replacing these people, but about two weeks later, I adopted Gandalf and Radagast. It's like I needed two furry babies to be able to replace the love that I felt for, for Kitty Bear. And um, I miss Kitty Bear. But a lot of the love that I poured into Kitty Bear, I'm pouring into these animals as well. And like I said, we'll never be able to replace a cherished pet. But there's new love that comes when we allow ourselves the time and space to heal and to, to, to open ourselves to that love again. And there's so many animals at shelters that need to be adopted. So if something does happen to your cherished companion, there are so many animals that would just love 
to be your furry baby again. And, and they would get a wonderful mother in you as well. So I hope that's helpful for you. And then again, I'm sorry, it doesn't, doesn't make the process any easier. Uh, I know this firsthand. Like, I'm going to be a mess when it's time to say goodbye to Gandalf and Radagast. I, I'm not, I don't even want to think about it. Because um, they're about seven years old now. And I hope that I have many more years for them. I say a prayer to have as much time with them as possible. But I know that there might be a day where I have to say goodbye to them too, and it will it will be so difficult. Um, but again, the cycle continues. Okay, man, we're getting into the Piscean fields today, aren't we? Some of this stuff's heavy. I mean, this Pisces season is, you know, to 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 have compassion for people sometimes brings up sadness. Sometimes to witness other people's experience and to feel what others is feeling, we, we have to go down some of these heavy, heavy paths. Okay, Tracy says, yes to butterflies and dragons and wrens. They're my synchronous wildlife. Nice. Yes, I love, I love all of those things. I'm, I'm hoping to welcome many more butterflies and insects and dragonflies into my, to my yard this year. Last year, for those of you who are following along, I was, uh, became a monarch, uh, a monarch daddy, I guess you could call it. <laughs> like, I had a bunch of native plants that I was going to plant in my yard, and I found a monarch caterpillar on one of them that was destroying one of them. So I, I, before I kind of realized what was going on, I brought it inside and raised it. And then through the process of feeding it, I actually adopted about five or six more <laughs> and ended up raising them to adults and releasing them. In hindsight, and after learning more, sometimes just leaving them where you find them is the best thing for them, even if that means that they may not make it. Sometimes the nat natural selection is at work and, and allows the species to be uh, hardier in that way. But I did have a really nice experience, like getting to know these, these animals and, and facilitating their journey. Don says, all sad risings are here because, like you said already, it's been a rough one recently. The guidance and community here is a respite. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, Don. I'm not glad to hear that it's been a rough one, but I'm glad that, that this community is, a, is an oasis um, because we, we need it. We need to just be able to support each other through the challenging times. Tarya says, this is so funny. All sad risings here today. We are the more the merrier people. Well, welcome, Sagittarius rising, Tarya. We've got sad risings from America. We've got sad risings from Finland. We've got sad risings from England. We've got sad risings from the East Coast, the West Coast. This is just the sad rising uh, few hours here today. So I love it. Tracy says, could I be an honorary sad rising? Absolutely. This, I, this is reminding me of like... Uh, you know, Oprah or whatever, you get vacillated, you get vacillated, you get vacillated. Well, she put vacillated like under their chairs or something like that or or something, like some talk show host did this and this is what it's reminding me of. You could be a satirizing, you could be a satirizing. Sure, sure you can, absolutely. Stephen dubs you an honorary satirizing, Tracy. <laughs> absolutely. Don says, all I will say about the afterlife is energy never dies and we are all energy. So love, exactly. I believe that. Yeah, energy just changes form. And maybe we know about it. Maybe we're just all part of this this swirling system of atoms and energy. And I, I agree with you, Don. And there's nothing we could do about it. <laughs> like, there are some people out there that are trying to cheat death and being like, don't die. And I, th I think that's the most misguided thing ever. I think, you know, accepting the fact that, you know, 
we are just changing form is important. When we try to to um, put ourselves in a in a place of stasis, then we start to rot. I, th I think that that's the thing that is when we try to 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 make things not change. That's when we're actually hastening something. And it, I don't. There's something nefarious about that. Not accepting death. Accepting death is really important. And and aging. Like I, this is hard for me as a Virgo stellium. Is you know, aging has been something that I've still coming to terms with as a as a middle aged person. But one day at a time. And it gets easier as you go. Robin says, "All I want. I just wanted to say I'm so glad that I joined the live today. Just listening to this helped me feel a bit better. Oh, good, Robin." Thank you so much for that, Spencer, and everyone else who's in this group. Oh, Robin, that makes me feel so good. I'm glad that you're you're feeling better here today, and that that um, this group is helping to hold space for you and support you. And hang in there, hang in there. Okay, yeah, good community stuff today. Stephen says Sagittarius risings love to be with a diverse group of people. I know that I befriended at least one individual from each group in high school. Ooh, nice, Stephen. Yeah, I mean. Jupiter is a is a peacemaker, you know? Like this is a secret signification of Jupiter and and you know, Jupiter ruled people like Sagittarius and Pisces is it's trying to harmonize just like Venus is in slightly different ways, but Jupiter is bringing peace and liberation and uh, just you know, acceptance, right? This is the the, the acceptance of Jupiter uh, rather than like maybe cr criticizing like with its opposite. Um, when we see Pisces talk about universal love and compassion, that's Jupiter, right? That's Zeus. That's whatever theme. That's, uh, you know, Thor, whoever whoever you want to think about. Uh, Big Stuff says you care for houseplants too. That's obvious. Yes. Yes, we've got a lot of houseplants in here. I've been taking care of all these different plants and keeping them alive. And I'm having some trouble with my big ancient jade plant right now that I think it's outgrown its pot and it it was having some difficulties with some root rot recently and uh i'm i'm gonna have to I, I can't get it out of its old pot i might have to break the pot and uh it's a really nice pot i've been hesitating to do that but yeah i'm, I'm doing my best with all these life forms that i share this this space with for sure tracy says libra rising here with midheaven in cancer yeah so so you might have a some revelations about a public uh, persona type issue with the, the eclipses coming up too. Yes. Planet Queen says, thank you so much. That was really helpful. This is my second time here and I've listened to you on the Energetic Principles podcast. Thanks again, Spencer. Ooh, nice. Uh, that's Energetic Principles with our good friend, Melissa LaFara, uh, a fellow Cancerian. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that you're here today, Planet Queen. And, and uh, uh, lovely to hear uh, about Melissa again, too. I hope that she's doing well out there in sunny San Diego. <laughs> I always think of Ron Burgundy and Anchorman when I think of her and where she lives. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's great, does great work and awesome musician, too. So I'm glad you're here today, friend. Uh, Jane Darling is here. It says Leo Rising. Hey, fellow Leo Rising, how you doing? Hopefully you are got your, your luxurious mane is quaffed. Well, here today, Jane. Welcome, and and hopefully uh, you're getting some value out of our conversation today. Okay, Tracy is also Libra rising. Planet Queen, thank you for the super sticker, friend. Appreciate you and your and your donation today. Really, really, I'm so appreciative of all of you who are 
uh, able to keep the channel going with your with your donations. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with a super chat, there's a little dollar sign in the chat on YouTube um, where you can make a donation to the show to keep, keep it going and keep supporting the work that I'm doing here. Really appreciate that. So thank you very much for that. And Tracy, thank you for the super sticker. Tracy, thank you so much for all of your generosity today, friends. Um, I'm I really just love having your presence here, but the super stickers really, really do help. So thank you so much for that and for supporting the work and the research that I'm doing here and buying me the gift of time to, to, to go through and do all the research, the time to spend with you here today. Um, you know, in, in a utilitarian society, the, the sad reality is that sometimes time is money and, and it really does help when, when all of you are supporting the channel like this. So thank you so much, Tracy and, and Planet Queen. Laura says, my mom had Mercury conjunct Jupiter, Stellium, and Libra. Oh my goodness. So that's a that's an interesting stack up, right? Um, so maybe they're they're probably gonna have some experiences with the eclipse that's coming up too. Like with the uh, or or if uh, I'm I'm sorry if your mom has already passed, maybe I'm I'm getting this comment out of context, so I'll have to get more context within that. Uh Tracy says, I have the same 12th house Venus. So I'm sure Tracy Libra Rising is referring to that 12th house Venus in Virgo, right? So accepting the, the, the entropy principle, which entropy is when atoms go their own way, go back into chaos. We are organizations of atoms, and, and eventually these atoms will break down and split apart and become new things. That's what they mean when they say energy is neither created nor destroyed. We are energetic little particles that have come together in this particular form for this period of time, and then eventually those particles will start to move away and move into something else. We will become a tree, we'll become a plant, we'll become maybe part of us will become a kitty or, or a new animal or a new person. So those are all the interesting ways that atoms can keep recycling and energy keeps recycling. And that's something to keep in mind if you have planets in Virgo where you're, where it's important to accept that. and. To do what you can to be healthy, to do what you can to help the people that need help, but also to accept that that we are in a, a cycling process. And if the idea of, of matter neither being created nor destroyed, I think is a, a, a helpful one for bringing peace of mind. Jane says, finishing up an MA in counseling this semester, hopefully in a, oh, that's good. Uh, I think you probably will, Jane, if you're a Leo rising, I will say. Jane, you got an eclipse. So let's just, if we look at this chart here, and I'm just going to look at Leo rising, and I just want to show you this, Jane. Um, so you can see as a Leo rising, let's bring Leo to the chart. Leo, there's Leo rising. So on the eclipse, okay, you will see that, sorry, it won't let me do the eclipse. Exactly. But this is the day of the eclipse where the, the moon's going to be coming full over the ninth and third house axes. See that? Isn't that cool? So, so this will be the ending of a learning process, third house. And then you, maybe there's a beginning of a new process, of maybe a beginning of a teaching type of thing or something of that nature with a, a new moon solar eclipse in your ninth house where you're able to utilize that higher education towards towards whatever it is that will bring you meaning in your life. So that's another cool example through through seeing how the, the upcoming transits are going to play out through our rising sign. Yes, yeah, Steve says, that's amazing, Jane. You can do it. Good luck. 
yes, Jane, we're wishing you luck. And just, just stick with it, you know? It's, I know the end of those programs can be grueling, um, but one day at a time, right? Jennifer says, yes, because I'm retiring in a couple years and have to find a way to keep my connections in life and figure a place to do art would be perfect for this. Yes. Yeah, it is. You know, when we're experiencing life changes and changing circumstances in our life and in our communities, we do have to find ways to, to reconnect with people. And my dad's going through this. He just recently retired and um, he's not a super social dude anyway, but uh, he's been uh, doing a lot of birding. He's been reading a lot of books, um, spending time with his other grandkids and and. He and I are probably going to go do some birding trips together at some point in the near future. Uh, we want to visit a place called Maggie Marsh in Ohio, which is a little bit south of here where a lot of uh, migratory birds go. And he has a photography hobby that it, where he's taking pictures of birds and animals. And he used to be a collector. This is an interesting transition. He's a Pisces son. He used to collect butterflies. My, my, my grandfather and my great-grandfather were both biology professors. And... Um, there was very much a scientific mind throughout that lineage, but my dad collected butterflies for a certain period of time, and then he finally was like, I don't want to kill them. I, I just, I can collect them through my photography. I don't have to, I can just observe them without, like, taking their life, and I thought that was a really beautiful sentiment, so he's become a really good photographer. He just went on a trip to the southwest and saw some really cool birds that I haven't seen, so yeah, there's all sorts of ways to keep, keep busy and, and stay connected. Okay, let's see, let's see. Laura, thank you, Spencer, today. Yes, I'm glad you're here, Laura. Hope you're doing well. Steven says, I had a dog named Maximilian. He was my best friend when he passed. At least my current partner was there for me when I had to put him down in 2017. Oh, yeah, I know. Again, losing a, losing a, a cherished furry companion is probably the hardest thing I've ever had to experience and that many of us will ever have to experience. So hang in there, Stephen, and I know that that's tough, and I'm glad that you had a support system when, when you lost your furry friend. Um, but uh, yeah, this is, this is the sad reality of pet adoption, right? If, if you're not ready to lose your pet, don't adopt one. <laughs> like that's, that's another thing I say. You don't have to have a pet, but they do bring a lot of joy into our life. Yeah, he says, I know how it feels, absolutely. Laura says, thanks, Spencer. Today has been such a gift for us, especially the Sag Risings. It's been a Sag Rising party for sure. Oh, thank you, Laura, for your super sticker. It says Spencer and his tribe are so supportive. Well, we try to model, you know, compassion and support. Um, I try to include all of you in this. I mean, it's it's a conscious effort to make it a safe, supportive space. I have seen some other ways of doing this type of work where the focus is very much on the the quote-unquote figurehead, the talking head, and a lot of, and I'm not saying just astrology, I'm thinking more about sports podcasters right now. I have a favorite sports podcaster for the Packers. His name's Andy Herman, and he does something called the Pack-A-Day podcast, and he's, he's so compassionate and detailed and good. And um, he, he, I try to create that exact type of environment here, and he had a guest on the other day. I won't name him, but he's the type that just loves to hear the sound of his own voice and you can really tell the difference. So um, it's a conscious effort to cu cultivate that here, but it, it it wouldn't work without all of you. It wouldn't work with these beautiful souls that continue to show up like you, Laura, and, and everyone who's shown up today. Um, and 
not only just showing up, but being the the best versions of yourself, you know, the best supportive versions of yourself when you come here. Um, so, so thank you very much for the super sticker here today, Laura, and for just being a part of our community and the support system for each other. Uh, yeah, look, Jennifer says, there are two things, love or fear, which do you choose? I, amen to that. Um, I, I, I hopefully choose love. Although fear has its role, and mostly the role is survival in p periods of crisis. Now, fear has become... Uh, a, a, a force of manipulation by forces that want to control you and those that when it's when that happens that's when it's negative and and we get to choose love over that a little bit of fear is healthy like if you're afraid to run out in the middle of a busy highway that's will keep you alive um you know so every emotion has its role sadness has its role happiness has its role love has its role fear has its role but, uh, but yes, I, I agree with you. I, I try to fall more on the side of, of love, and I keep fear in the compartment that's necessary for survival without letting it run my life. Jane says, yes, very much appreciate the community. Good, Jane. I'm so happy you're here today, friend. All right, Big Steph says, you know, I'm an Aries rising. My moon and Mercury and Venus, Mars and Sagittarius. I'll take the honorary badge, though. <laughs> yeah, well, everybody is a Sag rising today, Big Steph, so you can be whatever you want. This is a, a judgment-free zone. Reverend Kai says, got to chime in. There's another Sag rising. Also, 27 Virgo Venus. Well, Reverend Kai, you're in the right place today, friend. You are in good company with, with all of these Sag risings that are... Uh, you know, being vocal in the chat today, um, you've got a few Venus Virgos here. That degree of Virgo is tough for Venus, so I'm sure that there's been challenges. But also there's, there's lots of great lessons from having a challenging planet in our chart. It doesn't mean that it's a death sentence. It doesn't mean that, there's, that we're flawed in our characters or anything like that. It just means that there might be lessons with Venus and the third decade of Virgo around accepting the passage of time and accepting those types of things. And I'm sure that you can speak to this, especially, uh, let's see, with Sag rising, you've got that in your 10th house. Maybe this is related to your work um, and your public life and, and maybe accepting that jobs come and go. Maybe that's something that you might have experienced potentially. Uh, or you may be working with aging communities or something like that. I'm just throwing out different ways that this could work out. I always tell this story about Venus and Virgo 3 as far as my own experience. As a Leo rising, I've sung the praises of like enjoying having a full luxurious head of hair and like a, you know, lion's mane. And uh, unfortunately, the genetics in my family are that the men in our family tend to th go a little bit thin and sometimes have some male pattern baldness and that for me as a young as a young musician was very difficult to accept and and I hadn't gotten to the point of accepting myself just in whatever form um, and when Venus was in Virgo 3 I made this like this hair concoction that was made out of uh, uh, it was like an oil with like saw palmetto and um, turmeric <laughs> And it had all these like hair oils or something that was supposed to help restore your hair. But 
the process for using it was you had to slap it on your hair and I had to buy like a, a cap, like so that it wouldn't get this dying yellow dye everywhere. And I literally did it for a day and I was like, this isn't worth it. This is not something that I can consistently do. And I'd rather be bald than like have everything in my house be covered in the stain of turmeric oil. <laughs> like, so that was my Venus and Virgo accepting the fact of the, the impermanence of some of my physical form. And, um, I hope that, 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 that lesson has been easy or, uh, maybe not easy, but has, has resonated with you. And again, there are certain things that are worth preserving and passing on as a legacy. And that's something that Venus Virgos are very well aware of too, is that they can actually be very good at preserving, uh, old things that need to be passed on as a legacy. The hard part is, is, understanding which of those things can be preserved and which things we have to let go of. And sometimes those things get confused. Okay, but I'm glad you're here today as another Sag Rising there, Reverend Guy. We just got the Sag Rising show. Jennifer says, Sag Rising loves to travel too, whether physically and mentally. Well, we're traveling all over the world today, connecting hearts and minds and hopefully spirits today. Uh, before I keep going, Let's do me a favor, friends. Let's take this opportunity to uh, take a stretch break. If you've been joining me here today, we're, we'll probably go a little bit longer. If you have any more questions or comments or whatnot, I love that this has been a very Piscean Q&A. Less questions, more just sharing of stories. Uh, if it was a Virgo Q&A, we, we would probably have a lot more like technique questions. <laughs> but but here, I, I just love how the seasons inform the type of experience we have here. We're just sharing our compassion for one another, which I think is very Piscean. So stretch it out. Do me a huge favor. Um, the easiest way to support the channel is to, to like and subscribe. Uh, hit the like button. It really, really helps share this message, grow the community, bring people in that need to hear these messages. We've had, we've had people that have come that um, I think have, a lot of times there's been some folks that have been really struggling. And when they come and they see the, the love that we're sharing, with one another, um, I, I think we've really helped a lot of people, and I, and I give a lot of you credit for the support that you give one another in the chat. And think about what you're getting out of the the community and how that could really help other people. And by by liking the video and subscribing, you're helping getting that message out so that it will be available for the people that need it. Um, you can also follow me over at spencermichaud.com and over on Instagram at spencermichaud and Twitter. Uh, so check that out. I, I try to post, I post mostly on Instagram and I try to post things that I find uplifting. Um, I post a lot of nature things and some things that I find humorous that are like, most of them are like dad jokes. Uh, so if you like like corny humor, <laughs> like you'll see it in my stories and, uh, and things of that nature. I try to try to shy away from too many too many stressful anxiety producing things. There's so many ways to find that on the internet. Although I will say it is important to amplify the voices of those who are being oppressed. So I, I have no problem with, uh, with, with that. Uh, we just have to pace ourselves. Um, but follow me over there and uh, check out spencermichaud.com. All right, let's go back here and let's see. Can I make the charts bigger? Yeah, I can. I can... I can 
I was just keeping that as like a time marker, but if we're going to examine a chart, I'll make it bigger for you. Um, let's see, let's see. Steph says, love Melissa. This is where I first saw you as well, Spencer. Yes, Melissa's great. Melissa's a, a great musician. She's got some really cool, like, 70s-inspired taste, and she's a great dresser, and it's got all sorts of cool stuff over there, and she's got a, a really cool voice, and, like, um, great singer, and and a, a good interviewer and a good host. So I always enjoy um, chatting with Melissa. Planet Queen says, just realized I spent principles wrong. Oh, no. Well, we'll figure it out. It's Pisces season, right? Jennifer has Venus conjunct uh, Pluto in Virgo. So maybe there's some re resonant themes. Okay. Yes, love the camaraderie. Absolutely. I'm just cycling through some comments here. Uh, Stephen... It's confirming Sagittarius rising, Sag moon, sun. Uh, sun is Pisces, Venus at 20 Pisces. Ooh, you got... Interesting, Stephen. You're going to have a new moon on your Venus uh, coming up pretty soon. That's cool. And then the sun is at the second decan of Pisces, which is related to the nine of cups. Uh, Stephen says, Oprah, you're a Sag rising. And you're a Sag rising. We're all Sag risings. Absolutely. Yes, and Jennifer's confirming. I'm going back in time here. We're... we're a healthy love or fear, right? Health, yeah, exactly. E either one of those emotions can turn into something toxic. It's all about moderation and balance, you know? Like, sometimes if what we consider love becomes obsession. And then, you know, sometimes what we think is a toxic fear is actually something that's that's keeping us alive and, and helping us to self-preserve. Uh, so, Steph says, men worry about baldness more than women do. Well... I mean, people worry about different things. I mean, some people don't care. Other people, that's important to them, and, and that's okay too, you know? Like, there's a, there's going to be a lot of different ways to interact with the world. Speaking as a Leo rising who crafts a lot of identity from, you know, the, the main, it, it's, it can be hard. You know, it can be challenging to, to see that changing. Doesn't mean I won't come to acceptance to it eventually someday. But, uh, but yeah, there's, there's, we're all fighting different battles, different, different journeys. And what might seem silly to one person is very, very important to another person. So this is another, another lesson in compassion, right? Okay. Yeah, it says, big, oh, okay. Big Stuff says, we don't care if you're a good man. Well, that's good. To, that's good to know. I mean, I, it's nice to know that, that people will accept you even if you don't have a luxurious lion's mane. I know that my... My lovely partner um, has told me it doesn't matter to her. And, and in fact, when my lovely daughter gave me a haircut a couple years ago at home and kind of messed it up, and I shaved my head in frustration. I had Mars on my ascendant, and I shaved my head completely bald. For those of you who have followed along for a while, you probably remember that phase, and I didn't have a beard or anything. Um, you know, that's that's the picture that my partner chooses to identify me on her phone and she's like i like it i like i like it with your bald head i'm like mm, okay <laughs> that's fine if you like it so it's it's it is nice to to get that confirmation uh, but you know we all have our things steven says i'm getting the fryer patch on top of the head yeah i'll be there with you steven just give me a few more years and i'll i'll be right there my my chosen genetic pattern is it's probably going to go and I'll get a little patch here and then a little circle there. Yeah, it's it's coming for me. But, you know, I've always, my prayer around it is, 
let me ad- have enough self-acceptance to, to at, at the time that it happens to, to be okay with it, right? And, and that comes in stages. Uh, Rev Kai says, you got the Venus story right. Big part of my work is death and grief and dealing with aging. I mean, yeah, that, that Deccan, third Deccan Virgo, Reverend Kai, is a lot of it is coming to terms with, with um, accepting that form will pass, pass into something else. And you're probably doing really great work. Like as with Venus there, easing the transition to death, almost like a death doula or like working with the elderly um, doing hospice work, that's something that a a Venus Virgo could really shine, you know, like saying, oh, making it a peaceful transition while also preserving memories and legacies and things like that. All of that is the way we can use a planet like Venus when it's in its fall. Um, So what I would, I would really advise highly against looking at our charts and saying, oh, this planet by traditional dignity is it's fucked. I'm fucked. You know, sorry to be like crass about it, but a lot of people are like, they get really upset about a planet being out of dignity in their chart. But every, every planet has a role, even the ones that aren't quote unquote dignified. Um, and sometimes like if you haven't, let's say you have an exalted planet, sometimes what comes up must come down. Uh, I've, I've experienced this in various points in my own life with the moon that is quote unquote exalted on the midheaven. There's been times where I've ascended to a position and then it's, you know, life changed and I had to start all over again from, from the bottom. So, uh, that, that happened with my, my astrological transition from being a musician and establishing myself as a music teacher and a, and a musician in my community. Then I had to start from scratch all over again as an, as an astrologer and who knows where the journey will take me moving forward. Uh, Jennifer says, Stoic and Buddhism, middle way of life. Yes. I enjoy both of those philosophies and try to practice some of the best parts of those uh, as far as, especially as as far as like balance and and, um, moderation. My dad preached that till the cows came home. He's, he was like, balance, balance, balance. Like, and, and I didn't quite understand when I was a young person. I, as a Leo rising, I was, was ambitious as a young person. And um, learning that sometimes ambition and can be out of balance. Not that we shouldn't have any, but we should know why we are doing something and the meaning behind it rather than just, what can I get? How much fame can I get? How how much adulation can I get? And I've had lots of experiences with friends teaching me that too. I, it's one story of another music teacher who, when I was singing, I would do a lot of, um, I, I have a tenor and I would utilize my falsetto voice a lot, my head voice. And I was really into like Jeff Buckley and people like that. And I was trying to mimic the way that they sang to learn, to incorporate it into my own you know, self-expression. But but one of my friends re- was commenting that, that it sounded like I was trying to impress people with my range rather than express what I was feeling. And that really like hit me like, it was like a dagger in my heart, but, it, but I recognized it as truth. And it really changed the way that I interacted with my music and realizing that to only use the technique that expresses 
what I want to f show that I'm feeling rather than having it be about the run, the musical run itself. It's about, it does that musical run express an emotional concept, a narrative concept within the song. I get really annoyed when I see singers that are obviously trying to impress through like elaborate vocal runs when it doesn't have any effect on what the song actually means. I'm looking at you, Christina Aguilera. <laughs> so not to be a hater, but like she's one of the worst offenders of this. Whereas on the flip side, someone like Whitney Houston was very like, man, she she had all the technical ability in the world. But I compare, if you want an exercise in this, go look at Christina Aguilera's uh, Super Bowl uh, performance of the National Anthem. And then go look at Whitney Houston's performance of the National Anthem at the Super Bowl. And it'll show you how how vastly different the intention behind the technique is trying to express versus impress. Now, that doesn't mean we can't be Im impressive, you know, like, but it's about the intention behind it. And I think that, man, it's so, so true, you know, when we're trying to come to terms to accepting ourselves and, and things of that nature and is just how can we work through some of our, I don't know, our own insecurities around it and just allow ourselves to be. And that's that middle way you're talking about. Yeah. Big Steph says, just a thing to learn from our natal charts can are to be transcended if we can. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Or maybe they just are. Maybe the natal charts just are. Maybe they're just a moment in time that is a message that's informing us of, I don't know, maybe they're just guides, right? Maybe they're just pointing the way. Maybe they're just showing energies that desire to work through us and maybe accepting our charts rather than trying to transcend them is what we're doing. Could be either way. Who knows? Uh, the Venus in Virgo, you just said yes. Uh, feeling that. Okay. Reverend Kai said, yes, I got into this work through working in hospice. There we go. Perfect. For several years, I now help people build rituals and shrines in addition to processing grief before and after death. Perfect. I love that, Reverend Kai. That's so cool. And that's a perfect way to honor Venus and Virgo in your chart, creating a beautiful ritual. I mean, in ancient Greek civilization, Venus was responsible for the purity of the Greek theater, of the of the emotional content of the Greek theater. Venus is very much a, a planet of ritual and processing and catharsis. This is the thing. Venus's position in Greek mythology or Greek uh, society was to say, does the play, does the ritual properly allow people to express their cathartic feelings through it? And you're doing that same thing with the rituals that you're building to help them process uh, their grief and their passing on to whatever the next experience is. So that's very cool, Reverend Kai, and thank you for sharing that. Yeah, we're getting some hearts for you here. Mr. Hindsight says, I have Uranus on the Ascendant and had a hair colic. Hair stood straight up like Dagwood Bumstead. <laughs> I hated my hair all my life. Around age 66, took my family on a 30-day vacation. I thought if I shave it all off, I'll have 30 days to let it grow back. <laughs> First time in my life I liked my hair. Kept it that way for six years. Well, there you go. We've all got different ways that we're uh, <laughs> dealing with whether we like our hair or not, right? 
Hey, Carol, Marlon Wild is here. It says, hi. Uh, April eclipse will be exact my Jupiter in the third. I've been two months. It's been two months since I lost my best friend, Kitty, and I still can't stop crying every single day in bedtime. The house is so wrong without her. Oh, Carol. Yeah, we've been... We've been sharing our stories of our love for our fur babies here today, and it is tough. I, I will tell you, and it takes a while. You know, it, it the grief, the wound never completely heals, is what I will say. Um, but but our ability to, to maybe process and maybe shift our experience of it, it does change over time. And I, I just hope that it will, you know, that the process is, um, kind and smooth to, for you. And I found, honestly, that the easiest way for me to process my grief with losing a fur pet, fur animal, fur friend, fur companion, was to get another one. <laughs> you, you do with that what you will. That's saying that this, this companion can be replaced. I'm absolutely not saying that. But I think that those of us who feel this deep bond with our familiars. And it's not easy. Like You're not just going to go out and just find the first, you know, first pet that just shows up. It's got to be special. And maybe they come to you. But I do think that having an outlet to give our love to is, that to me is what I really resonate with with my furry friends. They are someone who will unconditionally accept my love and return it to me. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it goes both ways. I need something to fuss over. I need something to cuddle. I need something to pet and to take care of and, and you know, call my little baby and kiss and smooch. I need that. And there are, like I said, Carol, I know that you had a special, special relationship with your kitty and that will never be replaced. But I do think that there there is another companion out there for you when you're ready that would be so grateful for the love that you have in your heart that right now is being processed as grief that would accept that and be so much better off for it. There's another little cat, dog, hedgehog, whatever out there that is waiting for you when you're ready. And maybe a little piece of your previous companion, maybe there's a spark within that, right? And every animal will be different. Every companion will be different. But there's beauty in that too. Maybe the, the, the companion that just went out of your life, there's a different lesson coming from a new companion that we will be able to learn from. My, my kitties are teaching me something very different right now than the previous one. The previous one, I wasn't as, a, I wasn't as conscious of a pet uh custodian like sometimes I would leave for extended periods of time and I would have people come in and check on them but I, I would I wasn't understanding that cats need companions you can't just leave them on vacation in your house and I didn't get that as a young person and eventually I realized that and I halfway through my relationship with this other cat um, and made a lot of changes I if, if I had to go on any trip or vacation, I didn't just like fill an auto feeder and leave for three days. I would like have someone literally come stay with the cat. And like now I, I barely go on any types of trips because I just can't bear to leave my animals at all. 
Like, and I realized too that they need a buddy. So Carol, when you're ready, get two cats. Hell, get three, you know? Because maybe it'll take two to replace the love that you felt with the previous one. That's how I went through it, you know? But to each his own. And and you you have to decide what's right for you. It's also okay if you don't want to have that relationship again. It's maybe that's too tough at this point. Oh, uh, let's see. Let's see. Tracy says, "I just looked at my progress chart. What sad rising? It's sad rising. <laughs> there you go. So you're the honorary member, right? Stevens progressed ascendant as Aquarius, of course. Of course, it's Steven." Uh, let's see. Yeah, Jennifer says, that's what makes an American Idol. I think referring to our previous conversation about impressing versus expressing. Yeah. Yeah, I, full disclosure, those, all those shows are, are rigged. Like, I, I, I don't know if I told all of you, but I got, tried, someone tried to recruit me to go on that show a, a number of years ago. Like, I got an email saying, hey, we like your music, and we'd like you to come audition for American Idol. It's not just, they, they scout people. Those people that you see, it's not an accident that they've shown up on there. Most of them are semi-professional or professional musicians already, and, you know, because it makes for better television that way. I couldn't go at the time because I was, I was parenting, and my life just wouldn't support me. Leaving for six weeks, you had to live in Los Angeles for six weeks to do that. Um, and at the end of the day, there are, that just, the whole vibe of that experience wasn't for me. I just, just something about it just didn't sit well with me. Uh, okay. We're, we're revisiting. Yes. Uh, Steven says, oh my God, Mariah Carey, the tragic diva. Yeah. Mariah Carey falls, I think somewhere in the middle of the Christina Aguilera, Whitney Houston, uh, spectrum. I guess she's extraordinarily talented, like one of the most technically gifted singers ever. But yeah, I think there's a little bit of the look at me and look at what I can do. Although she is equally capable of expressing emotionally. I just happen to be a huge Whitney Houston fan. Like I love Whitney Houston. I think Whitney Houston is probably the, one of the greatest singers, period, full stop, I've ever heard. I, she just she really does it for me artistically and i yeah she will always be the standard for me as far as like expression technical prowess just joy in her voice you know just, just i i just love her and i i feel that her national anthem is the best i've ever heard i i just if you haven't heard that i, I used to use that as an example for teaching expression and and versus Im impressing in my songwriting classes and i i always was moved i watched it live when i was 11 years old that was at the buffalo bills new york giants super bowl during the middle of the gulf war and i remember watching that and just feeling incredibly moved by it and continue to to the day and i will say the second best national anthem i've ever heard funnily enough jack black at a los angeles sparks game <laughs> like check it out look it up on youtube the dude can sing and he you know he doesn't always take himself super seriously but he's got range and he can sing and i just i love jack black i think he's an incredible just i don't know you know mercurial puckish figure i love him 
Tracy says, thank you. Have a lovely day. Got to run and pick up my daughter. Thank you for being here today, Tracy. We're going to be wrapping it up pretty soon, so you're not going to miss much. Uh, yes, everybody's saying enjoy the weekend. Jennifer says, like watching that, but because you could see the, the difference when someone has the ability to touch your soul through their singing. Yeah, there are some truly talented folks that come through some of those singing shows. I, I've had some friends that have gone on those shows and, and had success, and they're wonderful musicians. It's just for me, like, the, the, the music business machine that, that those show, shows represent. Um, you know what those shows are, Jennifer, between you and me? Those shows are a vehicle for the musicians that are the judges to put their face in front of TV every single week. That's exactly what it is. And the contestants on there are just uh, basically pawns for them to like judge or not. Um, that's how I see it. I, it's, it's really more about the judges and them putting, giving themselves an opportunity rather than the actual singers. Um, but I digress. And if it brings you joy though, that's okay. It's, it, there's, there are worse ways to spend an evening than watching people sing and, and enjoy expressing themselves. What I've just always told my songwriting students that, uh, a lot of them held that show up as the standard for like making it and were disappointed if they didn't get chosen or something like that. I've had many songwriting students through the community college I worked at try out and, one of them was on the show and, and didn't win or whatever. And, and I always had to tell them, like, it, you know, there's forces beyond your control with that. You could be the best musician slash singer ever. And you just weren't part of the cog in the machine that that type of show produces. So just do, do, the, do it for the joy, right? Do it for the self-expression rather than for the glory. Okay. Yes, Steph is talking about we can go for the lowest expression of our energy pattern or strive for a higher frequency. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, there are all sorts of different ways to express, right? Like, uh, let's see. I'm just sorry, we're getting, I get in a little bit uh, backlogged where some of the threads that we're following, we're trying to keep them connected. Uh, Dawn says, the other babies help us cope. They're so supportive and loving. They want someone to love. This in, it, Yes, in referring to... Um, you know, having a new pet, right? And mortal and wild, Carol says, I can't, I'm so not ready. Yeah, and that's okay, Carol. Here's the thing. Yeah, and says, we never spent a day apart in 13 years. I'm probably gonna have a similar experience. You know, I I really haven't been apart from my two fur babies in the last four years, uh, but I haven't been more than a day or two away from them in seven years. So I get it, I totally understand. So. You just when you're going through something like that, take your time, figure out when when you are ready. Uh, and maybe you will, maybe you won't be, and that's okay too. So there's no one right way to grieve, and it's going to be different for everyone. But we're just sending you love, and, and hopefully um, we can be a somewhat surrogate support system here for you today. Corey from Iowa City is here. It says, literally, same, Spencer. I never go on trips anymore, but having kitties is the best choice I ever made. Yes, I agree. I, I, We all can grow as pet uh, custodians, you know, as, as animal facilitators, I guess. Um, and, you know, I had a... 
I really had a challenging relationship with some pets as a young person and like, you know, there were times when I wasn't a good, like, uh, I wasn't a good pet person as a young person. Like there were times when I was feeling so like displaced and angry that I wasn't a good pet owner or I was a bad pet owner. I wasn't good about that. And, um, I always felt a lot of guilt and a lot of like, uh, you know, regret. And as I've moved forward as a, hopefully opened up to compassion and, and become a, a grown as a person, realize you can go from not treating your pets the way they should be treated to being a average pet owner that doesn't understand all their needs to like completely living for them on some level and trying to just make their happiness the absolute best part of you know the the most important thing and i think that's the journey i've gone on with it you know like i've uh you know, sometimes kids do weird stuff when they're when they are upset. Like I used to be, I used to be kind of a cruel child. Like, and all kids kind of go through this. Like I, some I don't know. I, I was a curious child that also had a lot of anger pent up pent up in me. And sometimes, like like I don't know, I'm being vulnerable today. Please don't judge me too harshly. I was like six, but I would take like ants and I would like put them in like like motor oil and watch them struggle and then I would let them out and I would be like oh I'll put them back in here you're not going to escape the motor oil I think it was the motor oil in my heart that I just wanted to escape from and always just felt terrible about that in hindsight I'd be like oh no I was such a cruel child and like oftentimes children can be cruel when they don't know how to process the grief and trauma and anger that they're experiencing um but when you when you realize that a pet is just so vulnerable but so loving and accepting, eventually, if you're any type of conscious person, uh, you will re- just want to be of absolute service to them. You know, it's they are they're not a possession. You you are serving them. <laughs> that's the thing, and that's how I feel about my cats now. I I just want to make their experience as as happy and and easy and joyful as possible oh don says whitney's national anthem will give you the goosies oh yes i agree don is so good is so good steven says i agree whitney houston was amazing she is incredible i am a huge huge fan and then big stuff says yes i love jack black yes he he's great i mean they have very different energies, but they both make me feel something, and, and I really appreciate about both of them. Jack Black's a great actor too. He's funny, but he he, he is he's got layers. I I love Jack Black. Uh, Mr. Hindsight says because their unconditional love teaches us absolutely, and even when we're falling short of the glory, those those animals are are there for us, you know. Like and uh, like I said. It, sometimes we we fall short of the glory too, you know. Like, but if we learn from it and do better, that's, that's I think that's there's redemption in that. Regarding making regrettable decisions about how you treated your pets in the past, these experiences are important because they taught you about your own capacity to love. Yes, Corey, absolutely. Yeah, I I had a I had a dog when I was a kid too, and and my my dad 
was the type of guy that kept the dog in the basement because he didn't want dog hair everywhere. And I went off to college and the dog got really sick. And um, I just always felt bad that I couldn't be there for the, for the dog. And like, it, that was one of the biggest regrets I had, you know, as a young person too. Like it was um, not being able to be more of a presence for that animal. Um, yeah, don't ever keep your dog in a crate in the basement if you have a dog because you're afraid of the fucking hair on your couch. That's so selfish and stupid. Like if, if you can't handle hair in your house, don't fucking adopt a dog or a cat. Okay? Like... Uh, really, seriously, if you can't handle treating them like the the kings and queens or princes and princesses that they am they are and that they deserve, just don't do it. We won't fault you for it, <laughs> like, but but you have to be stewards for them. And you know what? Sometimes they're gonna poop on the floor, and sometimes they're gonna get some hair on your on your sweatshirt and. Yeah, you're going to learn some tough lessons. I agree, Corey. And it did make me a better person. And just the, the like the capacity to love, like you said. Yep. Uh, Don says, uh, God bless you, Spencer. I think we all had those. As a six-year-old, I was so mad at my dad. I kicked a puppy and it still hurts my soul. Yeah, I had situations like that. I was really a frustrated, angry young person. And I, I had a lot of things that were out of my control as a young person. And and sometimes when you have just a, something that's more vulnerable than you you transfer that to that pet, that other person. Like there were times when I was a horrible bully as a child too. Like I was a victim of being a bully and I was the bully. And a lot of it is because we don't know how to process our pain, anger, and grief. Anger turned grief that I was experiencing, sadness from having uh, a really unstable childhood. And a lot of a lot of nasty things going on. There was abuse in my childhood too. Like with, you know, I witnessed a lot of domestic violence in my upbringing. And it's sometimes it's very hard to process that when you don't have healthy outlets for it. So, um, but again, there's always a path to redemption and learning from those experiencing and an opportunity to do better and to be of service. Yeah. Corey says, dude, literally just the mere thought of animal suffering makes me sick. Me too. I really have, th that has become a huge shift in my life is uh, just the compassion I feel for animals, nature, and for just trying to ease the suffering of any creature, any creature, whether it's human, plant, animal, whatever, is something that I've really, it gives me meaning and purpose. Don says, now I would never hurt a non-animal unless I had to protect myself. Absolutely. Yep. And, or, you know, and, and in some cases, if you, like, if people need to eat, like, that's, that's another thing. We, we outsource this, this book I'm reading, Sand Talk, my Tyson Young Caporta is opening my eyes. It's, uh, it says how indigenous thinking can save the world. And he talks a lot about violence and he talks about how in modern Western civilization, we outsource our violence whether it's to like a third world country or whether it's through our food systems, we're outsourcing our violence and, and allowing other people to kill animals for us that we eat or, or the plants. Like this is the thing, like when we try to, to give a hierarchy to consciousness and to life, I think that's a mistake. So th this, I used to be a vehement 
a horrifically preachy vegan. And I'm not anymore. And, And a lot of it was through my understanding that all life is sacred, not just the animal life. The plant life is sacred. And that to be on this planet, we have to we have to eat, you know, like that is just the reality. But how can we eat in the most humane fashion, right? And sometimes hunting is humane. You know, sometimes that's the most humane thing that you can do. Actually interacting with your food rather than outsourcing that violence to a factory farm or something like that maybe is more humane. You know, I, I went through a phase where I was wanting to learn how to hunt, you know, and, and be more... Uh, interact with my food firsthand. And I had various levels of success with that. I think I'm just too too much of a baby. I just couldn't do it. And and I, I know that, that that's not... I know that, that that's, again, that, that this book is reflecting that back to me, like my domestication. <laughs> like, you know, we're, we're all trying to work on things, right? Um, but I digress. Jennifer says, looking forward to getting another dog when I retire. I can't have one now because leaving them all alone that for that long feels worse for me. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, be ready to take care of an animal like it is a child. You know, like that's the thing. And if you're not in the life space to do that, I've been preaching that to my daughter. My daughter wants a, an, a, a cat really bad, but she lives in the dorms. And I've been really asking her to be patient um, because she her, her living situation isn't stable yet. And if I know anything about cats is that they... They don't like being moved around to different places a, a bunch of times. And I, I tell her, you have lots of time to give your love to to an animal, you know, and, and I hope that you will get a cat eventually, but make sure the situation is right. Uh, Corey says, you're trying to break my heart. <laughs> I don't know. Try. I mean, it's Pisces season. We're admitting our vulnerabilities, right? Like we're just, we're going down those, some of those uh, avenues today. Of course, says the Sarah McLaughlin music that's playing my brain. Oh, right. Like all of the suffering animals that need to be adapted. <laughs> I will remember you. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's, the, that's the Sarah McLaughlin song that you hear all the time. But that's my best Sarah McLaughlin impression without warming up. <laughs> We're getting silly today. Oh, Prudence, thank you for the, the, the hearts and the kitty love today. Yes. Corey says, preach. Hearts from Tracy. Uh, Don says, we only know what we know until we are taught better. Absolutely. I didn't have very good um, modeling for that growing up. And uh, I had, yeah, we have to learn through our mistakes sometimes. Uh, Hello, messages. (laughs) Nice to see you. (laughs) Corey says, dude, do not allow her to bring a cat into a college living environment, in my opinion, unsolicited. Yeah, I agree with you, Corey. And that's uh, preach, preach, preach in the choir here, friend. Um, I, I think that's not a good environment for a cat. And I've been really asking her to have patience um, be, and think of the cat. It's not about what she wants. It's about how can you create the best environment for that animal and for any pet owner. It's not about what you want. You don't own this fucking animal. It's about creating an environment that will support that animal in the best possible way that will give them the best life. It's not about you. If you have an animal and you think it's a, yes, they will give you love and you will benefit from it, but that's, that shouldn't be the, the starting point. It's, and at, so that, that's how I feel now about being a pet facilitator, a, fe, a pet life facilitator is it's about them. It's not about what you want. 
It's not about your vacations and you, you can't leave a cat for a week at a time with an auto feeder. That's cruel. That's cruel to do that. You can't leave a dog chained up outside. That's cruel. Like, it's not about you. Uh, so I, I can't say that any more emphatically. And I hope that if, if there's anything that gets me riled up, it's something like that. Um, but hopefully we can all do better and be of service to these animals that really, through domestication at this point, they really do need us, you know, and they really do need us to be good facilitators. Animals teach us about death too. Absolutely, Jennifer. I, I agree 100% that because of their short lifespans, we do have to learn the acceptance of the passage of time. Uh, uh, yes, music thumbs up. Corey says, exactly. It's about them, right? All right, friends. Uh, this is your 30-second warning to put any questions or final comments in the chat. I do have an I Ching and an animal for you for Pisces season. And I'm going to bring those up now. Uh, I can get to a few more questions and comments potentially, but we're going to start wrapping it up here before I get too angry about animal abuse. <laughs> All right. So the I Ching that I got for you this week is uh, number 64 to number 38. I asked, what's the essence of Pisces season? Um, you know, what are we, what are we dealing with here? right? We do one for the month. We do one for the lunations. But what about Pisces season? And I got hexagram number 64. And hexagram 64 talks about, uh, it's called before completion. It also translates to not yet across, before the end, nearly home and dry. But we we're trying to bring order out of confusion and we need to exercise caution and circumspection. This is a perfect hexagram for Pisces season, in my opinion. The I Ching is never out of alignment for me. Um, it's really about being patient. We're not there yet. We're not to the, the spring equinox. We have to like live into the answers without trying to force the issue. And we have two changing, well, one changing line here. In this hexagram, they compare a fox crossing a river and him having various... Uh, successes or failures. And in this initial line, he gets his tail wet. And it says he gets his tail wet, humiliation. And the, the, the text translation says, a fox who tries to cross the water too quickly gets his tail wet. The text symbolizes a setback that could have been avoided through prudent contact, conduct. Uh, you would like to press forward and settle everything. You want to bring order out of chaos and complete your mission. Don't get carried away by your enthusiasm. You don't understand all of the elements of the situation. Things are more complicated than they appear. If you act too hastily, you will simply make everything worse. Events must take their natural course, and you will not be able to complete things until the time is right. Therefore, you must restrain yourself now. Acting precipitously, precipitously will only exacerbate a delicate situation and ultimately bring you humiliation. So this is a warning to not force things, to just let things play out, to allow yourself to be so that you don't get yourself in a situation where you're vulnerable through your haste and through your rashness. Okay, and this hexagram is changing to number 38, which translates to op op opposition, estrangement, misunderstanding, differing points of view, polarity, diversity, creative tension, but also finding commonality within difference. If you f so this is teaching us that if we follow our, our, our rash, uh, feelings, thoughts, and we try to push things too far, we will create estrangement. So retreat, 
pull back into yourself, try to find meaning, be patient with the process, realize that we're almost there and we just have to be patient. We're getting to eclipse, eclipse season and the eclipse season is going to be a doozy. So a lot of the changes that we might be wanting to experience are going to, they're coming. We just have to relax and be patient into the answers, right? Okay. Uh, Jennifer says, when the kids were young, having to talk when they died was invaluable. So as far as relationship to pets, absolutely teaching about death. Reverend Kai says, I always appreciate the additional non-astro conversations. Oh, thanks, Reverend Kai. Well, we try to, here's the thing, like astrology is supposed to help us teach us about our lives. You know, it's, it's something where if we're disconnecting it and deracinating it from our lived experience, it doesn't have any meaning anymore. It's just a bunch of symbols and numbers and, and jargon. So I love being able to connect through our lived experiences and, and start to see how those themes are playing out through us. So I appreciate you being here, Reverend Kai, and, and you're really doing great work helping people to transition and to make those, those transitionary moments in their life uh, pleasant, smooth, and easing suffering is, is one of the greatest things that I think any human being can do. So I applaud, applaud your effort with that as well, friend. Uh, the criminal astrologer says, I feel like we can really understand the connection we all have telepathically through our pets and the animals. They always seem to understand us and us them, especially emotionally. Yes, I agree with that. It, it, I had to, that was something that developed even deeper with me over time as I learned about being a responsible steward for the, the, vulnerable creatures that are in my life and my connection with my um my pets has and my companions has deepened on such an amazing level like the the cats that i share my home with now we have a language between us my cats understand hundreds of words they they are able to communicate many different complex emotions and feelings to me and it's through me trying to understand what their body language is saying it's through me you never underestimate the power that a compliment to your cat or dog can have. I, I rarely ever criticize my cat. Like, and they know that I accept them unconditionally. I tell them regularly, you are an amazing, loving creature. What an incredible hunter you are. When playing with the, the toy, I'm like, you are an incredible hunter. You are so talented and skilled and so beautiful. And I'm so grateful to be sharing this time and space with you and how wonderful is it that we get to share this moment together out of all the the souls that could have been born at various points in history and time you and I are sharing this time together I feel the same way about many of you out in our community here today what glory it is for us to be sharing this moment together out of all the lives that we could have have incarnated into and all the times we could be crossing paths here we are together at this moment it's kind of incredible and it chokes me up a little bit so uh yeah i agree with you the criminal astrologer interesting name Corey says wild how we've been here for eight minutes i've already experienced more emotions than i have all year well you know i mean this is sometimes how it goes you know we'll, we'll try to to be the the cathartic support system for you Corey. Very good I Ching advice. Thank you. Well, thank you, messages. I'm, I'm hopefully there's a, the message is resonating with you, friend. Jennifer says, this talk helped keep my mind off my family flying from Costa Rica. They landed safely. Yay. 
good. I've got my daughter coming back from Florida in a couple of days, so hopefully her, her trip will go well as also. Finally, friends, I do have an animal for you. And the animal I pulled for Pisces season is the snake. And I have this beautiful picture of a rainbow boa, just a really beautiful creature. And the snake makes a lot of sense to me for this period of time. Snakes are, are you know, symbols of change. They're symbols of transformation. Uh, they, are, they show us uh, about the awakening creative forces. You know, think about the kundalini energy that rises up your chakra system. It can be compared to a dragon or to a snake. Um, they show us about connecting with higher consciousness. They show us about shedding a skin that no longer serves us. Pisces season is about removing the boundaries that keep us separated from each other. And sometimes we have to shed an old persona and an old restrictive environment, constriction, an old body, an old identity to be able to move forward. So this is a really important time for growth. Uh, I also want to point out that, that snakes, their eyes cloud over before they shed their skin. So sometimes it's hard to see where we're going when we're going through a period of intense change. And sometimes we just have to trust the process. And Pisces season to me is all about faith in the process, faith in that which we can't see yet that is inevitably coming. As astrologers, we know that things are going to change. We know that there, there's something, what we have now, the situation we have now is not the one we'll have in the future. And so if we, you don't enjoy what you're going through now, just wait. It'll change. Uh, if you do enjoy what you're going through, appreciate it because it'll change. You know, it's, it's, it works both ways. So I think that the, the snake is teaching us some of those things. And it, it just helps us when we're getting into that dreaming state that Pisces supports. And a lot of times snakes are very still. And to be able to be great hunters, they will use camouflage and stillness. So it's an, another message to not um, not share your your project or your ideas before it's ready. To sometimes to be still and to let things come to full form before you share it with the world, and that's okay. There is nothing wrong with allowing the nurturing time to be able to get clear about who and what you are and what you're doing before you start trying to flail through uh, unprepared actions. And the I Ching taught us the exact same thing. So that is what I have for you today. Yeah, Corey says, snake is the ultimate shapeshifter. Absolutely. And Pisces is a season of shifting forms. So roll with it, right? And Jennifer found a snake skin and I said, good, put it on the altar. And that can be a reminder for, that we're all going through changes and that we all are shedding old forms and old consciousnesses and old awarenesses that, that we were doing the best with that we had the information at the time. But now we can do and make different choices based on who we are and what we've learned and what we've experienced. All right, friends, that is what I have for you today. I am so grateful that you have spent this time with me today. It is truly a compliment that you've spent, you know, this few hours with me and that we've been able to exchange and somehow we've been able to touch on these emotional uh, issues, even through the, the fiber optic cables, cables of the internet. Um, it is 
so valuable to be able to share this time and space with you. And thank you so much, everyone who's commented, everyone who's donated. Uh, really appreciate all of you. Thank you for all your comments, for your presence. Um, it just really it means a lot to me, and uh, this community means a lot to me. So do me a huge favor. Uh, please like and subscribe. Uh, help uh, amplify the signal. If you can share it with your friends and whatnot, people that you think that this community might benefit, that would help me and help them. And, uh, you know, check me out, spencermichaud.com. If you need extra assistance, I'm available for readings. Check on the, the Book Now button over there. Check on the store for the webinars. And then go over and follow me at Spencer Michaud on Instagram and Twitter. All right, friends. That's what I got for you today. We're just seeing some more comments coming in. Thank you, Mr. Hindsight. Thank you, Tarya. Uh, thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you for everything today. Thank you, Reverend Kai, for all of your beautiful sharing today. And uh, we will see you the next time, friends. We'll see you next week. Where we'll start to, I think we're going to be breaking down um, the new moon. So join me again next Thursday, Friday, probably Friday. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll go, go through it together. Remember, 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 especially in Pisces season, it's really important to be kind. It's not always easy to be kind. Sometimes it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of um, mental, emotional fortitude to, do the, to choose the kind, kind action. It's not always the easiest one. So you're doing great work if you are putting out kindness and hope into the world. You're also doing great work if you are exposing injustices and oppressions. So I want to acknowledge those of us who are crisis workers as well. All of them are necessary for us to have the balance of our society and of our functionality as human beings and of spirit souls. So thanks again for everything. And uh, yeah, thank you, Criminal Astrologer, for being here. It says I'm rewinding to watch from the beginning. I appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate you and your, your uh, presence here today. All right, Messages says it. Subscribed. Good. Thank you, Messages. Appreciate you. All right, friends. That's what I've got. Have a great weekend. Have a great uh, March. And we'll see you the next time. Peace.